Vickers podcast with a new guy in the block. There's a new educator in town, Tanner Tattert. Welcome to the show, buddy. Happy to be on. It's a blast. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, I saw your uh, Instagram come past a couple times on my recommendation feed, and then I saw myself. I'm like, what? What the hell's going on here? I see my own thumbnails. I think you use kind of as a reference when you talk about, you know, PEDs and safer practices. So I started following you. And I like what you're doing, man. I mean, you're bringing all of this uh, content, you know, from old timers like myself, right? And your own influx to like a younger generation, um, which is great because, you know, like for the steroid educators, it takes, you know, it takes years, right? Before you're at that level, you feel like educating. And of course, you've been researching for a long time. But your audience is probably a lot younger than my audience. So I, I want to thank you personally for sharing the message and, and spreading the knowledge to all these young dudes out there, because you're, you're literally saving lives and preventing a lot of mistakes for the guys that don't <laughs> want to listen to old farts like me. So how, how did you get started in this, uh, in this social media game? Yeah, so it's an interesting little story. Um, I did start on TikTok. It was one summer, you know, classes are finished and I get the TikTok app. I'm scrolling on it. I like mm-hmm. watching a lot of different creators. And I kind of start following that classic recipe. You know, you'll see someone working out. There's like a motivational quote, inspirational sort of gym content. And you go down that road and you realize it's very oversaturated. You know, a lot of people do that same kind of thing. So it's hard to make yourself stand out. Um, At the same time, I was interested in pharmacology. You know, I'd seen some of Derek's videos. I'd watch you and Leo. And um, somewhere along the way, I I see a lot of misconceptions about anabolics and enhancements especially in the younger generation, which they'll only hear bits and pieces here and there. And mm-hmm. so they think to themselves, oh, you know, I'll do my first cycle and I'll look like Chris Bumstead after it. You know, com- <laughs> I wish <completely>. it. <laughs> I, I've, been, I've been doing steroids for like 15 years. I still don't look like Chris Bumstead, unfortunately. Exactly, right. And so, so that was the first video that came out was I, I said, you know, hey, realize your expectations here if you are going to get on a cycle for the first time. And that got a lot of popularity. That was the first video I'd ever made touching on enhancements. And so I Mm. went down that road of, all right, there's some pretty low-hanging fruit of myths to debunk and just spreading that basic information to guys and giving them a more level-headed idea of what this stuff actually is and how to approach it in a safer and more moderate way. Right, right, right. So what I I noticed over the last couple of years that you know, when you get to like, you know, a larger YouTube channel, you want to educate beginners all the way to the top of the people that are, have been doing this for decades. Sometimes it's a little bit difficult for me to like kind of relay my message because I do expect people to have some sort of knowledge uh, on the back end when they're interested. Yeah. But sometimes I realize like, you know, the, the audience could be like complete beginners. And I'm at a yeah. point where I don't even know how to dumb it down so far that even beginners could understand. Right. right? And then, you know, I've been doing this for such a long time that I, I feel like I'm kind of losing touch with the younger audience because I'm also getting older. And I, I don't know what it is like to be, you know, not financially secure to the point I can just do blood work every month and afford the pharmaceutical grade and source that everywhere. Sometimes I really have to take a step back, like, wait a minute, how, how would I survive when I was like, you know, teenager, early 20s? Yeah. And that's why I like what you're doing, because you're literally just trying to teach these kids and, and younger people like, well, wait a minute slow down right it's right. it's not required like what what are the common misconceptions that you kind of see pass along your tiktok and, and instagram platform like what what is going on with the younger crowd nowadays yeah so um there's there's definitely trends of misconceptions i think at a fundamental level 
there's just not that understanding. Like, so what you're saying about how you, it's difficult mm. to like dumb it down to a certain level where even mm. a complete beginner can understand, you have right. to kind of speak the language a little bit. You know, there's, there's a little bit of foundational understanding you need to start watching your videos and getting like a hundred percent out of it. Right. Yeah. Uh, there, you know, basic things like testosterone aromatizes into estrogen, right? That's something that guys should know as they're, they're getting into this right. space. So, um, a lot of the misconceptions I see is about cycle design. They'll see a steroid touted as being popular, trendalone, mm-hmm. notorious, right? Of they course. start thinking to themselves, oh, I, I can just do trend, right? That's a steroid. I can do my first cycle of that. Trend only cycles, probably not a, not a good uh, no, idea for your first time. Not. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So there's one of them and it kind of just rolls from there. Little things that might not be as intelligent, like if you're afraid of injecting, that's actually, I think, a good barrier to entry to getting on steroids. And so mm. they might try to do a D-ball only cycle or anabar only cycle. Some things that have mixed results, uh, I would say. Yeah. yeah. And it's funny, whenever I make a video about that, that oral only cycles are not a good idea. And I try to explain HPTA downregulation and that you're losing out on testosterone and estradiol and everything right. in between, right? And that you still need to do a PCT, uh, which of course is easy because th- those are tablets too in most cases. Um, a lot of people are still for these oral only cycles and it doesn't help that guys like Dr. Mike Israel is like telling everybody yeah. like, oh, you want to go, you know, you go on cycle and if we're only is totally fine. I'm like, Mike, yeah, bro, uh, you should know better, right? At least, at least make the, make the entry of, uh, the barrier of entry a little bit higher. So exactly. people really think it through, right? You do need to inject. You, right. and, and otherwise, they're going to reinvent the wheel with Anavar and then Enclomiphene monotherapy. So you got two tablets now, extra liver stress, nothing about liver ma- health management. Yeah. So do, do you see that a lot? Like a lot of kids are just or are young guys that are wanting to start and they're like, ah, no injections for me. It's, it's super common. And it's especially true of uh, teenagers because, mm-hmm. you know, they live with their parents and they don't want their mom uh, right. to find a bunch of needles. Right. But they still want they still want gains. Right. You know, they still want to get bigger. And so, mm-hmm. uh, w- one of the really popular things is say like enclomiphene and the SARM or, mm-hmm. um, you know, maybe HCG in the SARM, but again, back to the injections. Uh, thankfully, I-, I think I've hammered it into enough people that at least just telling them these suppressive effects of an oral steroid, something like Anavar or D-Ball, probably not worth trying to force an offset with enclomiphene, but you know, you can't really you're not, you're not going to break into these people's houses and take the stuff out of their hands, right? It's very hard to, <laughs> I to, wish. to stop them. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> I wish. I wish. Do you get it sometimes that, that you know these young guys start to quote you studies where Anavar doesn't show any HPTA downregulation for like eight weeks or 16 weeks at moderate dose? It's like, you know, but, you know, Tanner, what about this study where it shows that I can take Anavar without uh, having my luteinizing hormone and follicle stimulating hormone suppressed? Does that happen to you too? Because uh, I mean, sometimes they, they hold the evidence against you, you know? Right. There's obviously cases like that. But honestly, if someone's at the point where they're citing studies to me, I'm already a little more optimistic about where they're mm. going at. Uh, typically, if someone's saying like, no, like my buddy at the gym told me I can do it and it's fine, then I'm a little bit worried. It's, yeah. you know, it's that differentiation between like, are you actually looking at the literature and are you looking at all of the literature? Not just, right. hey, there's this one or two studies that supports my bias. Be careful there, right? Oh, don't worry. That will happen when you're 50 years old also. I know plenty of educators <laughs> who like to quote one. <laughs> we're not, we're not going to go there. <laughs> I, will, I won't drag you into it, but trust me, yeah. dude. Next week, there will be Instagram posts about you too. Just don't pay it any money. I've already been there. 
I've already you've been already little... been there, yep. dude. That, but then you're successful. That's what Paul Burnett also told me. He said, "Listen, if if you're not successful unless you haven't made it to the asshole masterclass yet, um, <laughs> and otherwise, right, you're not part of the fitness industry. So if you're already there, right. then dude, good on you, man. Good on you. Congratulations." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a uh, was a wild experience, but you know, I feel like I'm free from those chains. The the posts have stopped. It's good. Right. Uh, okay. Maybe That's they'll good. be back. Come, I don't know. Let's, they'll let's be back out. after the podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah trust really. me. So Ooh. the funny thing is about the fitness industry is that, you know, the the more information and love and, and attention and knowledge you're sharing, you know, the negativity will come as well. And that's just part yeah. of the fitness industry, right? Even if you, you know, put your best leg forward 100% of the time, then people will always try to fall, find faults for you. And that's why it's so tough. I think the social media for guys that are a little bit younger, um, even though they have had, you know, access to social media their entire lives, like it does get tough when you start growing really rapidly. Like, like Joe Statics, for example, he grew very rapidly. And then sometimes people were really hammered into him. And it took him a while to kind of get over that, you know. And of course, the same people who are now talking about him were the same people who were talking smack when he was still alive. And it's, yeah, it was a, but this is social media, you know, this is the avenue that you chose. Um, You'll, you'll just have to get hardened because it's, it can be pretty brutal sometimes. Yeah. And the funny thing is, if you slip up somewhere and, you know, half the industry is really to remind you, a month later, they've forgotten about it. Yeah, that's what's so, so interesting about it is, you know, you now become this public figure. Everything mm -hmm. you're saying is, is being watched and monitored by people. Mm -hmm. And it, it's strange, you know, as much as you want to be yourself online and be as natural and as comfortable as you are, there's certain, there's certain areas where you think like, well, I don't know, if I do say something that's kind of a personal opinion, maybe people mm -hmm. are going to tackle that as, is that scientific fact? Because he's an, you know, an educator in that space, yeah. right? And you know, yeah, you're, you're, you're walking around eggshells there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you always, yeah, yeah. Same, same for Derek, for me, Paul, Chase, you. I mean, everybody's basically walking on eggshells. And the, the funny thing is, is that everything we're doing is very circumstantial, right? So you apply particular methods of performance enhancing drugs and, and health management in a certain context. You have a certain goal. A certain risk tolerance like my risk tolerance might not be the same as somebody else's risk tolerance i i've seen my liver enzymes go to 200 units per liter and then come right back and i'm like okay if i'm at 200 temporarily i'm fine but a guy that's just getting started or or doesn't have so much experience with their body they're like oh maybe that's you know maybe i have a liver failure right but for a guy with experience for me i'm like you know i've seen so much blood work like okay it's high it's alarmingly high but we can fix it Right? right. So if you're doing a show, okay, maybe this, you know, 100 to 200 units uh, on your ALT and ASD is warranted. So over time, you kind of develop more knowledge um, that goes away from the medical field. Mm -hmm. And especially when you realize that most of the medical literature is just performed in a single context on a single drug. And what we do is polypharmacy. Yeah. We combine two, three, five, 10, 20 different drugs together. And this is where the scientific evidence kind of is lost because there's no studies to recite or quote from because uh, they haven't been performed, you know? So, so maybe, maybe in a hundred years, you know, guys like us will look a little bit smarter because we're ahead of our time and we can fill in the right. blanks, you know? Yeah. So, so when, when, when did you get started on this PED journey? Like what is your background on this uh, bodybuilding? Yeah. Experience? Uh, so it's been pretty recent, uh, and it's interesting because it's been about, um, like almost two years now that I've been in the gym and lifting. And there was a little bit of that beforehand, you know, I, I was in a fraternity at college. And so occasionally you go and like pick up some weights with your buddies, but 
It's not mm. actual bodybuilding, right? right? So once things got serious for me, my introduction to it was Ronnie Coleman. And so my immediate thought go. in my head was, how do I look like that, right? And right. you got to uh, go 10. Is that ever? <laughs> oh, a lot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. A little melanotan to help out there. Yeah. Um, there you go. But, uh, you know, the, the immediate thought is, wow, how do I look like that? I know I'm probably never going to get there. But that was the opening door to, well, I guess enhancements are involved. You know, it's not like he just eats chicken, rice, and broccoli all day long and looks like that. And, so, and barbecue, and masterpiece barbecue sauce. Don't forget the masterpiece. Yeah, and duck eggs, you know, the usual. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. I mean, if you watch those old Ronnie Coleman videos, he puts like masterpiece barbecue sauce on everything. Oh, is that what he said? And yeah. then, uh, yeah, and, and his coach, Chad Nichols, literally worked all those sugars that he got from the barbecue sauce into his diet. So he would reduce the carbohydrates a little bit just to compensate <laughs> for the barbecue sauce. And wow. then, dude, the, everybody got on that barbecue sauce. I had a friend import that when he, they watched the, no the DVDs. Yeah, from uh, Ronnie Combs. Uh, that, that barbecue sauce must be anabolic. This is how impressionable you are when you're younger. Yeah. It's hilarious. <laughs> I, I was more thankful to grow up in the information age where I know that the barbecue right. sauce is, it's a different kind of sauce that he's been using. And yeah, yeah, so for sure. I, I start, you know, poking around message boards and finding out like little bits and pieces. And the real uh, eye-opening experience for me was uh, I saw some article somewhere about a, a DECA D-ball cycle. And I was like, oh, yeah, like that's that's what I'm going to do. That's going to be my first cycle. And I talked to one of my buddies about it who who knows about these this stuff at least more than me at the time. And he was like, you really got to go back to the drawing board. And I, I okay, sat good. there for a second and I thought and I was like, well, why? Like, I don't understand what I did wrong. And so I really started researching it after that, scouring everything rather than just jumping straight into it. And mm. it was during that time, you know, I find you guys realize, OK, if I'm going to start with anything, it's just going to be testosterone. So since then, my, my journey has just been that first cycle of testosterone is 300 milligrams a week. Uh, I did experiment pushing up to 500, seeing if my body tolerated it. My estrogen levels got really high, but I actually didn't get any side effects, which was really interesting. And then mm -hmm. um, came off the cycle, have been cruising basically ever since. So that okay. is, that's where I'm at. Yeah. So that's the extent of it. So well, I've no, had, uh, okay, the cruising, <laughs> the cruising, there's been some experimentation because my tendency to yeah. be a lab rat, I'm sure you understand. Um, mm -hmm. has been, you know, micro dosing trenbolone here and there, see if I can get the like CEO type effects out of it. And then, okay. um, other things I got a coach recently and his protocol, uh, DECA, Masteron, testosterone, growth hormone, and mm -hmm. seeing how that would, uh, work for my body. That's the right. extent of my PED knowledge. And beyond that, it's just been talking with mentors and people who mm -hmm. have the experience because I do have to outsource that. I'm, I can't, you know, right. do everything right away. It, it is going to take time, right? Uh, it, it took me basically a decade before I felt ready to kind of open my mouth on, on YouTube and Instagram. Because yeah. in the meantime, I mean, I made plenty of mistakes um, experimenting with stuff. You, you go to the message board, same as you, you get the wrong, the wrong information. You think that you know, yeah. but you don't really know. Yeah. And then you have to get your hands dirty, right? So I've, I've been actively trying to give back, just preventing people from making the same mistakes. But sometimes people will still do, still do it or they think that it it sounds actually quite cool when steve talks about it even though i, I do admit to the mistakes yeah right. it's it's a funny journey in that sense um so what you'll see is that you know some people will walk or you know take from the knowledge that you give them and and make good decisions like you did mm -hmm. right you're like hmm, wait a minute I, you got some feedback and then you made a better decision to yeah. st st structure your cycle a little bit more intelligently but 
you know, nine out of 10 people will already fail there. They're like, and they'll, they'll be stubborn. I say, you know, I forget it. I don't care what this guy says. I'm going to do it anyway. And trust <laughs> me, I, dude, I'm not laying blame. I was exactly the same. I no, was exactly. exactly the same. Right. Trend on the second cycle. I did it too. Yeah. You know, <laughs> so you know, this way you kind of learn over time. And then I, I think now the information out there is so much better that you don't really have to make terrible mistakes. Right. Um, unless you really don't want to learn. But now the knowledge is everywhere. You know, it's out in the public. Yeah. Like back in the day, I, I really had to go, you know, dig deep in the message boards to really find quality information. And even then it was subpar to what you can yeah. do, you know, on PubMed or, or other research websites. So in your inbox, you got questions about train every single day now? Uh, surprisingly, it's been fading out, which is kind of nice. I mean, okay. you hammer it into their heads enough times like, hey, it's not, you know, light work. It's it's pretty serious stuff. So, you know, people are getting, getting the idea. And I think that's true of anything in, in the space is that there are certain myths that float around. And as these educators constantly hammer on them again and again, eventually they mm -hmm. start to slowly fade away, which is pretty good. Right. Like how estrogen right. used to be thought of as like being bad because it's like the woman hormone. And that's, yeah. that's now fading out. That took a long time to go away though. Right. It took a long time. Yeah, I really wonder what's going to happen over the next couple of years, you know, with all this information now being more to the forefront because you even see the IFB pros opening up more and more and more. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's good for the guys that are a little bit older, but I do think that it might be harmful for the guys that are a little bit younger because now they think they know. Um, and then they might be more incentivized to start earlier. Right? Like yeah. I was 26 when I started taking PEDs and I did, you know, an ampule of tests, 250 milligrams per week, because I thought, you know, 500 milligrams was way too high. And I read those D-Ball uh, cycle logs, you know, with the D-Ball kickstart. I read all right. those cycle logs on stare.com and professional muscle and all that stuff. And I figured, you know what, all these guys get side effects at week four or five. And then they, the cycle log ends because they had to abort their cycle because they got terrible acne and gyno and puffy face. You know, you see sometimes you see before and after pictures or people with edema and stuff. So I realized, okay, just yeah. test, just test bioidentical, right? Right. And even then, you know, with consecutive cycles, you make some, some, you know, some mistakes here and there. But I think nowadays, dude, I, there's really no excuse to make horrible mistakes uh, unless you're really gung ho about doing it and. You know, the funny thing is, like, at your age bracket, you see all these uh, kids kicking ass, right, on social media, like Sam right. Sulek, and there's so mm -hmm. many new guys, and they're, like, early 20s, yeah. and they look house. They look house, and I, I think it's very clicky, uh, that group, because I see all these influencers, they're usually between, like, 18 to 25 years old. They're all on TRT or more, or yep. running, running heavy cycles. They get mad famous, internet famous, right? Right. <laughs> and, and... You know, their followings are huge. So they make big bucks already from the beginning because, I mean, you've got a couple sponsors now and, you know, the revenue that's involved with that. I mean, are you already past what you think you could make with an employee or employer? It, uh, like, it blows my mind when I look at the numbers. I didn't, <laughs> I did not realize how lucrative it could be. Right. And it's, you know, it's, it's just insane to see the success. And that's just me. I have 30,000 followers on Instagram. And, mm -hmm. you know, my, my TikTok got banned. It used to be 50,000. I imagine right. with these guys with 200,000, you know, 500,000, what they're doing, it's nuts. Now, I've, I've seen the statistics from Gorilla Mind. I mean, some of these influencers to make, you know, 10, 20, $50,000 per month. And that's just, 
the the supplement sponsor, you know, and yeah. of course yeah. they've got very large followings, but they're they're early twenties and they don't know what to do with the money. They've never learned about investment. They've never learned yeah. about you know, I mean, they, they're fresh out of high school. Some of them don't right. even follow high school or finish high school, you know. So you don't really have that background of how to manage your money. And I think a lot of kids nowadays they really want to be a part of that scene because oh now you have money now you can be flashy now you can show off you can right. buy all the cool clothes that you know people want you to buy like when you're older you don't give a shit about that you just wear the same stuff yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know look at the old generation of bodybuilders we all look dead broke right even though we're not right. <laughs> we just we just don't care anymore but when you're young it, it really matters you know you need to wear the young la and uh clothes or, or uh, vanquish or whatever else is popular nowadays you need to particular pre-workouts otherwise you don't belong uh, do you see that a lot in, in your age group where where kids are just like you know really eager to get started on social media with gear um because they want to be part of that elite uh, exclusive club that is making money yeah so it, it's a really interesting way to look at it in a clicky fashion and it's one thing to be mm -hmm. taking it as a click is like oh i need to buy the clothing i need to fit into this demographic because mm -hmm. everyone else is doing this everyone else is doing that and exactly like i'm saying it's like one thing if it's the clothing or it's like oh everyone uses gorilla mind everyone go take their supplements right. it's another thing if it's steroids and it's like you know if i want to feel like i fit in i have to get on and you scroll on social media, you scroll on TikTok, you see all of these people saying, you know, I'm natural or whatever. And they, they, <laughs> they have these insane physiques, right? Absolutely yeah. incredible. And you start thinking to yourself, well, I don't look like that. I've been lifting for longer than he has. How does that make any sense? And the natural next step for a lot of people, especially when insecurity comes in, you know, you're a young guy, you want to feel like you fit in, you want to feel cool. That next step could be getting enhanced out of a place of insecurity or out of a place of wanting to belong. And then, you know, you're in over your head a little bit, getting on, I would argue, for the wrong reasons. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I see it happen a lot more often than not. And there's also younger guys that are open about their steroid use. I mean, you got the trend twins, for fuck's sake. Yeah. You know, promoting trend, basically. I mean, I don't think that they're only on trend, but they do look good and they're having a great time in the gym. But, I mean, it will be, I, I'm trying to imagine what it would be like when I, if I was younger, like 15, 18, 20 years old at this day and age, if I would be just as impressionable as everybody else. Because um, I, I decided to wait until I was 26, right? To take steroids. Right, exactly. and that's, after, that's after 11 years of drug-free bodybuilding and, and doing years and years and years of research because I didn't feel ready. And, and the time and place wasn't really right because I was trying to make a career as a business consultant. So you feel like, you know what, I can do a cycle, but I can't really commit to everything that's needed when you're doing a cycle, I want to make the gains, yeah. right? And I'm a little bit worried about my health. But I think nowadays when those kids see the potential for social media and they see that all their social media stars are on steroids and maybe lying about it. I mean, if you look impressive, you're probably on steroids. It's, 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 <laughs> you know, it's just to yeah. be expected. So right, I think right. they're taking the plunge a lot earlier, you know? What I, I, I had this discussion with Joe Stetics about five years ago, and he said something very interesting. He's like, Steve, you know, at one point, there's going to be a generation of uh, Instagrammers and YouTubers with no real skills besides milking the algorithm. They can't do, they can't transfer any knowledge. They just look good because they have a good physique from their parents and they, they take steroids, but they don't know how to educate. They don't know how to coach. They don't know how to you know, transfer this. All they know is looking good until the next guy that looks good comes around or they get injured and then they're obsolete. Yeah, and it's coming from Joe, you know, five six years ago before he really blew up, and I, I do think that's going to happen because now it seems like 
overly saturated. I, if I scroll, I just see new kids come and go, come and go all the time. You know, they get yep. injured and then it's off to the next guy. You know, and they're and the, wor the worst thing is that they're now you know severely depressed because they have to come off cycle. Their revenue streams dry up because you know their entire fan base just moves to the next guy. Yep, and they didn't really learn how to you know do something else with it. So my advice is always you know it's just you know leverage your following and, and just try to monetize it, but multiple revenue streams because yeah. You know, at one point, one of them might dry up. So exactly. you already started started doing consultations, so your uh, your inbox doesn't get flooded. I, I saw, right? Yeah. So the the consultations, I added that kind of as a you know, if someone sends me a message and it's you know three paragraphs of details, you know, it's like it's probably going to be best if we just talk face to face about this. And you right. know, you you value my time, I value yours, all of that. It's a mutually beneficial relationship there. And then um, the beyond that like if it's just quick questions and i can handle those but yeah the, the consultations have been really cool because it's interesting to speak with guys that are older than me but who just don't mm -hmm. have the knowledge it puts me in this strange space where it's like oh this is kind of flipped like i, I mean i know, oh, I know right, yeah. being a student being in the classroom an older person is talking to me and then suddenly it's switched and it's like this guy kind of looks like my professor now i'm telling him about things <laughs> it's a <laughs> it's an interesting that's balance. good yeah no but that's good but then uh, you already have the confidence and the and the you know, or not the confidence, you have the respect of the audience, right? which is difficult yeah. to do with your age. And trust me, I was in the same position when I was starting to do business consulting when I was like 21 years old. Yeah. Nobody yeah. takes you serious, dude. Nobody. So you really have to fight for it and just go through the grinder, work the extra overtime before people actually start to listen, even though you might have more knowledge on particular subjects than the next guy right. who's been there for, for a long time. So now if you're already getting older dudes, you know, if you're, when you start getting them in their 40s and 50s, you know, then, then that's, that's another measurement of success, you know, just keep doing what you're doing and they'll get more and more and more until the rates have to go up. And then you're, you know, exactly what it feels like to be in my position. <laughs> yeah, exactly what you said about like diversifying your, your income streams though. I mean, I, I feel a little concerned for the guys who are built entirely on physique for exactly the reasons you're saying, you know, mm -hmm. they get injured and it can be as quickly as over for them. They might still yeah. have that reputation. They might still have some loyal followers, but there's always that bigger fish. There's always that like next big thing and people kind of jump ship and move to that. Right. That's, that can be really hard on you. So unless you have like something else that you offer, like kind of a, a specification within your niche, then I think it's tricky to stay relevant afterwards. You know, I, I know uh, Bradley Martin is a good example who right. used to do the whole gym thing and then has now translated over into owning his own business and having his, his podcast more as a personality and less for his physique. That, that right. puts you in a more stable position. You know, if, if there's any end game that would be pretty nice, it's something like that rather than I just look good all year round. You can't look good mm. into your 60s and 70s, man. There's going to be a point yeah. when it runs out, right? Mid-30s already, it starts to go downhill. Trust me. It's, <laughs> it sucks. And then you start <sighs> thinking about kids, you know, you have to come off cycle. Like I, I've been off cycle for like close to seven months now. And wow. the reason why I'm still relevant and, and you will stay relevant if you come off cycle and, and do, you know, do something where you don't look freaky is because you have something unique to present right knowledge yeah and knowledge is always relevant you know until until people really get bored for you and you don't reinvent yourself with new knowledge then as long as that point comes you just stay relevant so when i'm whether i'm tiny right completely off cycle and, and fasting for a couple of weeks just to get you know starve particular issues off and then come back on cycle I, my audience would still grow the same and you'll see the same for you whether you're on a cycle or trt or post psychotherapy or take a whole year off from the gym as long as you present the knowledge that people can learn from then you will continue to provide value 
And that's why I like the educator space more than the influencer space. Because even though the influencer space, you can grow 10 times faster and make money 10 times faster. It does come with like a five to seven year half uh, shelf life. And after that, it's, it's kind of over. I mean, look at the old generation of, of, uh, of Facebook and Instagram uh, celebrities, you know, or YouTube celebrities, completely irrelevant Yeah, right now. All been replaced. You know, most of them already retired. And, and of course, some of them invested really well into gyms like Bradley Martin, for example. He's got a brand, gym. He's got a clothing line. I'm sure he's got some sponsors. He knows how to podcast. He puts a couple ads here and there with those ad placements. He probably makes like, Five to ten thousand dollars per ad placement. So you know, I mean, it adds up at the end of the month. Right. Yeah, and I mean, the ad placements are, are. I mean, I get these requests all the time. You know, when you have a bigger platform, people are willing to spend thousands of dollars on on ad placements. It's uh, it's insane, you know. So you you yeah. got to stay relevant in that aspect, and you see with Flex Lewis also just doing the podcast. Right. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So what about what what direction are you going to go in? Just educating, or are you going to take the shirt off at one point and start flexing your abs and doing these weird, yeah. weird exercises <laughs> that nobody needs? <laughs> yeah, well, you know that'll be paying homage to Joe for for those kinds of things. But uh, yeah. even his exercises are just they're really good too. Just very creative, right? Very um, creative, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was, it's so, good to to get the audience going, but sometimes it was you know for bodybuilders who would look at it and like, you know, yeah, okay, interesting. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So my uh, my outlook on things would is definitely to engage in the educator space first. And it's not it's an it's an interesting space because a lot of the guys that are established right now, you guys have an insane wealth of knowledge, and a lot of it is because you've researched for so long that you've now hyper specified into these right. very particular areas. And so if you wanted to make you know a super in depth video on check drops, for example, you probably could, and then. Yeah. Other guys where if they're coming to me for information, they're usually in that, you know, uh, 18, 25 age demographic. And they're looking for, you know, I don't know anything about this. How do I get things going? How do I get a basic understanding? And so it's, it's really just going to be that reintroduction and hammering in of the basics. And also when you guys bring up interesting topics or something that forwards the, um, you know, the application of safer use, then that's something I can lean into, translate for a younger audience. And then right. spread basically, uh, because as this is something I think is really important that a lot of people don't do. But even in my little uh, document on my website, um, mm-hmm. I have a list of of all of these educators in the space. Some that I like, some that I don't like, and mm-hmm. at least just to put the information all out there and let them know these are all the sources of information. I want right. their knowledge to be widely distributed. Right. Right. I'm I'm basically acting as a catalyst for a lot of that beyond the education. I do really love bodybuilding. And so I'm wondering where I might be able to go there. Obviously, after I've done my first cycle, I know that I'm not going to be Ronnie Coleman, but uh, <laughs> <Shit>. <laughs> right. Ah, darn. No way. Right. Shock surprise. Yeah. Right. If I was like 14 with 18 inch arms, then maybe that would be a different situation. But um, like uh, just to push my body and see where I can get to and then do little experiments and show the, the audience that you can do these things and you can manage side effects safely. And just to debunk certain uh, issues about gear, you know, it's like, well, I want to have kids in the future. Does that mean I can never use gear? It's like, no, actually, did you know that you can freeze your sperm? Like, that's an option, right? I, I, I wish somebody told me that. Good. So I didn't have yeah. to go through this thousands of dollars fertility protocol right now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> My fertility is great, though. So I'm, I, I'm not too concerned. Okay. Um, but yeah, like, like these little things, I mean, 
like I don't see like younger kids, 15, 18, maybe some of the 18 years old, but certainly the 15 year olds guys that are impressionable, they want to do their first cycle. Yeah. I don't think they're listening to me because the, the level of entry, the barrier of, of sitting through a 20 minute video for me is super freaking high, right? So yeah. guys like you, I'm, I'm very welcome of. And if you can, you know, kind of translate the message and, and just keep these guys engaged because I don't think I would take advice from a 40 year old if I was 15. It just seems that the age gap is so high. Like when I was 15, dude, I would listen to 18 years old and that's already old. And then after that, it's like, no, no, these guys are like grannies, you know? Yeah. <laughs> these exactly. guys are almost yep. obsolete. Yep. And, and, <laughs> and, and dude, when I was going to school at like 14, 15 years old, there were some guys that are 16, 17 and they would literally grab the whole hand into the, their, their uh, sterile jaw jar and grabbed the Dianabol or the Anadrol. And they didn't even know what they were taking. Yeah, yeah they were beyond Diable only cycles. And this is, you know, t over 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. um, and these guys would be huge, right? Puffy, acne, gyno, right? But the parents would all be powerlifters or, or bodybuilders themselves. And they had no idea that their kids would be taking steroids. They got it out of Thailand, those, uh, those thousand, bot uh, thousand tablet bottles from uh, uh, Dianabol, five milligram tablets. And the kids would just take it, you know, in school. And nobody would drug test them because they would look so big that everybody thought they were fat. And I, I really wonder <laughs> what happened to all those kids that, yeah, I, I really wonder what happened to all those um, classmates that took steroids back then, because they're not part of the fitness industry. I, I, I would have recognized them by now. Like, hey, wait a minute, we grew up, at, you know, we were in class, we were at the same school. I think for a lot of these guys, it's just a phase. Social pressure, you know, they want to look bigger, yeah. they want to impress the girls. Right. Uh, you know, they want to be like their Instagram stars, so they take some steroids. And then two or three years later, they're out of that phase, maybe with some health complications along the way or issues. Right. And then they're out. Then they're out. Like a lot of guys that I used to train with, they're already out. You know, they, they don't even bodybuild anymore. Right. The, so, that exact so, thing you're talking about with the, the younger guys listening to older guys, I have that mm -hmm. issue all the time. And I try to explain that to certain people when... Um, the, the main mindset, I think, among younger guys is if you rewind time and you remember what you were like as a kid, it's like when someone tells you no, it just makes you want to do it more. Like, why would I listen yeah. to this <laughs> Of course. So, I was the same, dude. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. That's how I made all my mistakes. <laughs> exactly. And so unless someone is, and it's usually like an adult that's telling you no, and it's like, what do you understand about me at all? You know, you're like 20, 30 years older than me. Like, buzz off, old right. man. And then yeah. you, you have someone just like you're saying, you know, like maybe you're a 15 year old, some 18 year old, it's someone that you actually look up to. And they're like, right. Hey, listen, man, like I was in that position or like, I know a lot about this and mm -hmm. I don't think that's a good idea. Or if you do want to do that, here's something that you could do to not totally screw yourself. They're a right. lot more receptive to that. They're a lot more willing to open up and be like, okay, well, so I can't do a ridiculous amount of rad 140 at age 15. Maybe if I'm using enclomaphene and a little older, then it's like less bad. Like they, they start to find at least at minimum a middle ground, because if you can't get them to fully say no and stop, mm. you can try to help them out somewhere in that space, maybe set them up with a PCT protocol if they don't want to go that route. Right. Yeah. At least, at least you're doing something for harm reduction because most, most yeah. people will do it anyway, right? They will, they will do it anyway. I see this in my comment section. I get the DMS, you know, you give them advice. Yeah, especially the young kids when they do reach out and and yeah. and then you know three months later they contact me with the blood work and they're fucked and they can't they can't afford a consultation yep. um because i'm way too expensive for these young guys um yeah. 
but yeah, you, I, I see it happen all the time. You know what? What really troubles me are these height protocols. I know Leo used to talk yes. about that, but I'm re I'm really against it um, because you don't know the ramifications long term and crushing your estrogen while you're undergoing puberty. Yep. I think it's a horrible idea, you know. So I, I get these questions quite frequently, uh, like Steve, what do you think about uh, Arimidex or Enclomiphene? And and so I can grow longer. I'm on limited time because my growth plates are going to close. These kids are like 13 years old, dude. Yeah, 14 years old, and I'm like, yeah. I said, listen, I can't help you because your parents will kill me. Yeah, you know, they're literally sue my ass if I if I do help you. So this is very worrying nowadays with with you know the information that's on YouTube and it's for everybody, right? Right. But these high protocols that they're I think they're even more problematic than uh, you know than 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 steroid protocols because from the steroid protocols you recover, but if you crush your estrogen for a certain amount of months or even years. While you're undergoing, you know, pubertal development. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, the cardiovascular system takes such a beating. And, and nowadays, the cardiovascular system, you should treat like it's a pair of testicles even more. Yeah. Because, yeah. I mean, with this, with this day and age, you'll just die. You know, I mean, I see it happen all the time. You know, people with cardiovascular complications and, and they just die because of the, you know, the pan pandemic and stuff. Yep. So yeah. do you get a lot of these kids as well, your direct messages? It's, it's one of the most concerning things because it's, it's one thing exactly like you're saying with steroids where, you know, the HPTA will recover. And obviously, if you're younger, there's a lot of issues with that anyway. You're still in your developmental years. Your body is so sensitive to something like that. But with the height growth protocols, uh, how important estrogen is to especially your brain and your heart and your entire body during the foundational developmental years of your life, you know, why would you really want to be depriving yourself of that? Mm -hmm. And there, there is this idea that I talk about where it's important that if you are going to pursue something, you understand the risks and you accept them. I think honestly, the, the risks are of such great magnitude that people are, you know, mistaking a few trees for the forest. They, they're not seeing how big of an issue it could actually be. Right. And they're just saying, well, that's okay. Am I going to grow three inches or like, oh yeah, I'm fine with that. Like, will I be six foot? And another thing that I've noticed is I have a funny story about the whole height thing is when I was in middle school, a girl rejected me because I was too short. And so I had this like whole <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. Dude. She you should send her your TikTok subscribers yeah, now. Like, yeah, look yeah. at this. Look at what you're missing out on. You know? Right, look at yeah. all these affiliate discounts uh, <laughs> commissions that I'm getting. So, <laughs> so it was in my head, like all of high school. I'm like, wait, like am I actually a short oh, guy? Like, is this gonna affect me? And I was I was yeah. so in my head about it. And then I graduate high school and I'm like, it doesn't actually matter that much. But you no. know, when you're 13, you're 14, like any little thing, it kills you. Is like, you're neurotic it kills you. about it. Exactly. It kills you. Yeah. Like, like I'm, I'm five, nine, right? So that's average height. But in, in Holland, everybody's like six, one, six, four. So I felt like a short kid and I, I didn't realize that I was tall until I came to Thailand and I literally tower over everybody, but this was yeah. 15 years ago. Um, but now the middle class has, you know, better financial status. So all of the kids that are growing up nowadays, they're all a foot taller than their parents because they have better food. Like all the parents, mm -hmm. they just had a horrible food quality, but it keeps them short. And you'll see that now, like in, in, in Asia, like I'm now on average height here as well. But for a lot of guys that are, that are feeling short, you know, when you're a teenager and younger, it really matters, right? This height thing, because you think that all the women are only going to go after tall guys and all these um, ma uh, masculinity YouTube channels, they're all about talking about six foot, you know, and thick beards, they're all the same. Yeah. They're car carbon copies of each other, these, these yeah. masculinity channels. I think it's despicable um, because, you know, you can 
determine success and masculinity in a multitude of different factors, especially on how many people's lives you can change positively. You know, yeah. I think a lot of guys that fall for this masculinity stuff are kids without fathers hmm. because they don't have a strong father figure in their life. But if you do have a strong father figure, you look at these masculinity channels and say, you need to be six foot and you need to make a million and you need to drive a sports car and you need to have this and all right. these assets that don't really matter in the long run. Yeah. Um, they don't have, they, they don't really know how to compare that to their own dad because he either wasn't around or, or, you know, he was just, just not present in the education process. And it's, right. I, I think that's also a lot where the young guys go wrong because they, they look for guys like me or you as a little bit of a replacement father figure when it comes to the knowledge. And then you tell them no, and that hurts. Yeah. Yep. There's they say, no, you can't do this. You can't do the cycle. Uh, you can't do an Arnold cycle because you will live. And then you literally replace the dad that would also say no. And they get pissed, you know, and they do it anyway. It's, it's, it's very difficult to kind of, you know, get through to these kids, even though, you know, you were smart enough to say the no to the D ball and testosterone only cycle, right? Yeah. So right. I do think there's outliers out there, but I think, you know, you need to have it internally. Like, wait a minute, let me, you know, take a step back, assess the situation and then see what I can do. Right. That's exactly what you're talking about with the, you know, the, the father situation is no one looks at their dad. And if someone says, oh, describe your dad and you say, oh, he's six foot. That does, that's not really a marker of his character, like how good of a dad he was. Right. So right. I, I think when you when you take a step back and you look at the situation on the whole, you know, the height or the beard or whatever the, the factors are, that's not really how you're remembered. It's more how you carried yourself and what impacts you had on, on the world and like what you contributed, especially to the people around you, but also to your kid's life. And so that's where even as an influencer, if you look at yourself like that, where it's like, OK, I'm this metaphorical father to a lot of viewers, mm -hmm. you know, what do I provide them with? You know, how do I treat them with care? And if they are coming to me with a really bad idea, how do I let them down easy? In my live streams, right. when people come to me and, and a common question with young kids is like, hey, where do I buy testosterone? You know, where do I where do I get the good stuff? <laughs> so yeah. my immediate <laughs> my immediate metaphor is always, I imagine that I'm a dad and my 12 year old mm -hmm. son comes to me and asks if he can drive the Ferrari. My answer is right. no, there's no way yeah. you were driving the Ferrari. But if he's older and knows how to drive and is educated, mm -hmm. And has already, you know, maybe driven something less, uh, less special than that. Then, right. yeah, maybe I'd say and, did, okay, and, go didn't, ahead. and didn't break it and didn't break it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so, because if you imagine it the op opposite way around, if if I say no, you can't drive the Ferrari, they sneak into the garage, they grab the keys anyway, they go take it for a drive. What do you think is going to happen? They're going to flip the Ferrari and blow themselves up, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's just, Very it's true. always how it's going to go. Yeah. No, so, so, you know, the funny thing is, like, even most of the guys, if you let them down easily, I think they understand a little bit uh, better. Yeah. But still, I wonder what happens to the guys that do do it and then uh, don't contact me with all the side effects. I probably go to somebody else, of course. But I do see it quite a bit still, you know, and that is a little bit disappointing as an educator because you do realize that you can't reach everybody and make, have to make the correct decisions. But I think there's also something to say for kind of, you know, trial by combat or, or self-experimentation and just right. getting your hands dirty and, and figuring out the higher truth on your own body and making some mistakes along the way. Because from my experience, after 25 years in the sport, the best way for bodybuilders and fitness people to learn is just to make the mistake. You know, yep. 
just to make a mistake. I should have never known. I should have listened to, you know, Tanner or Steve or, or Paul or whoever else. I should have just listened. But then at least the respect is there. Like, wait a minute, these guys were right. I shouldn't have done that. Of course, hopefully, you know, they don't get horrible side effects in the meantime that they, uh, you know, that they really get an adverse reaction to the point they have to exit the fitness space because that happens also quite a bit. Um, you know, sometimes you meet these people like two years later and they're, they completely give up. It's a, it's a shame to see. Yeah. You know? It's really sad. How, uh, how common is SARM use with the kids nowadays? Is it less than before or is there, are these kids still using a ton of SARMs? It's actually been pretty interesting. I think, uh, it's it's definitely a popular option because a lot of people see it as like a stepping stone to steroids um mm -hmm. in some ways maybe in some ways not really but uh it's it's also been popular for guys to start using uh non like things that don't have any effects on their hpta so mk677 in reasonable mm -hmm. doses so that they're not suppressing their testosterone through those uh, was it prolactin feed, feedback loops i think exactly yeah yeah and so um other things like l-carnitine i've been a big proponent of where you get the practice of intramuscular injection and then mm -hmm. you start to know, you know, do I want to inject myself for probably the rest of my life? Like maybe, <laughs> maybe not. Depends yeah, on how bad it sucks, right? right? Yeah, exactly. And the, then, the, the horrible thing about injectable carnitine is that it burns like a motherfucker. So a lot of guys, they'll probably have like, is this going to be every time I inject? <laughs> when in reality, if you inject pharmaceuticals, like pharmaceutical steroids, the post-injection pain is maybe the first five injections in that, in that site and then it goes away. Right. Your body gets used to it, you know, unless you start digging into the underground labs. But with pharmaceuticals, it's, but dude, I've been injecting carnitine for almost two years now and it still burns. Yep. Yeah. It sucks. At least, you know, you can use that as a bit of a barrier for entry then. It's like, okay, if this burns yeah. and then you finally make the switch, you're like, oh, like I've kind of earned it, right? It's, it's uh, yeah. nicer to be <laughs> Right. That's true. Yeah. yeah that's yeah. true. Um, you went through hell already. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then uh, I, I've seen also, you know, in clomiphene only, uh, use use for that, you know, any kind of oral thing that they can get their hands on and try that. And uh, nasal spray applications for peptides has also become ah, more okay. popular. Yeah. Okay, good, good, good. So uh, what is like uh, the, the, the lowest entry cycle you can design for a guy that's like 18 years old, right? You have to do 18 because any younger, and we both get sued. Um, right. <laughs> so depending on the state where you find yourself in or the country that you find yourself in, 18 is okay. Right. Um, so what would be like, uh, a low entry first cycle for an 18 year old that is not too invasive right and we're talking uh aas we're not we're not doing like half anything anything okay. anything doesn't matter we'll make okay. it easy for these guys right give it yeah. away so uh the the first thing i say is that everyone's body is different so understand that mm -hmm. first i'm not going to tell you to a prescriptive dose that is just right for you you know you might have to pick something and then make a little adjustment right depending on what's right for you um Having some things on hand to control estrogen would be a very wise idea. Please don't be that guy that's scrambling to source Arimidex because, you know, your nipples are blown out and whatever horrible things are going on, right? Uh, the dosing that I'm most favorable towards is a milligram per kilogram approach. It's just because I really like Broderick as a person. He's a funny guy. Mm. Um, he has some questionable opinions on other things. That's fair. But um, I, uh, I do like his approach there. So it would be like probably somewhere around the three milligrams per kilogram for a for any man like as a weekly dose and depending on how high that is you know if, if you're on the overweight side then you might need to bridge up to that dose you don't want to have any crazy hormone fluctuations as you're first going into anything and 
as that cycle progresses, you know, week four, things start to peak week eight, you start to start like seeing the benefits, make sure that you're getting blood work at about like halfway through the cycle. I think I would, I would agree with and just monitor and, and see, you know, how do you feel on it? Right. Maybe you're that kind of person that you really like the propionate ester of testosterone. You might need to make a switch there. I know Blue Taylor, that bodybuilder, he really likes prop, mm. but then an anthate and sipionate, he feels horrible on for whatever reason, right? And I know you've talked about how uh, like certain carrier oils and other things of mm -hmm. the sort can definitely affect how a person feels just by using this. So although you might have a, a bad first experience, maybe it's not actually the testosterone, but maybe it's the quality of your testosterone. Maybe you want to exactly right. Start investigating a pharma grade source, something like that. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, that's how I would approach it. And honestly, the, the most important thing is to be kind to yourself throughout the process. Because uh, I think in my field, especially, I mostly deal with the mental side of people right. going into a cycle expecting something insane, something crazy, right? You know, my arms are going to blow up and put two inches on them. My shoulders are going to be bowling balls. I wish. I yeah, wish. take it easy. You are going to grow a little faster, but you know, it's not going to be like absolute night and day difference unless you do have the genetics for it. There's absolutely right. people who, who grow like that. So I tell guys That's to just honestly sure. be, be nice to themselves as they go into that process. Is it, do you really see that a lot where kids are so hard on themselves that they kind of self-sabotage throughout the cycle or even before that? Because, you know, I mean, I bodybuilding, you're always self-scrutinizing, you know, this mm -hmm. needs to be bigger, that needs to be bigger. But it, how is it like with the younger guys? Because I can't remember being very insecure when I was younger, mm -hmm. but maybe that's also because it's such a long time ago in a different day and age where we didn't get exp uh, exposed to social media and everybody was shredded. Right. Yeah. You know? I think that's the, one of the biggest contributing factors. The The main result of it is that I see people try to lean into the gear as a, um, like, I'm not getting results fast enough. I, that means I need more. And so, mm. you know, they might be halfway into their cycle and they double their doses or they add a, a large dose of something else. They They basically just make their cycle way more aggressive because they're not seeing the results that in their head they expected from it. They might see, you know, some influencer of theirs say, oh, here's my first cycle. Like I'm documenting everything for you guys. When in reality, they were on cycle anyway, and they're now doing a like third or fourth or fifth cycle. Right. Way, right. Right. Yeah, so it, it really, weird. really, really distorts their perception on things. And so the Man, sabotage they might do is just like look into bigger doses or look for that next big thing that's going to make them mm. explode. Like, oh, I need growth hormone or, oh, I need Incrolex, right? It's always that like neck. <laughs> Until eventually you realize you just don't have the genetics for it, man. I don't know what to tell you. Or, or, or the money. I mean, it's, it's not yeah. cheap to run a cycle correctly, you know, with the blood work and the ancillaries and, and all the micromanagement that you need to do. Man, I feel bad for all these young dudes nowadays because they have it a lot tougher than I did. Yeah. I yeah. didn't have access to the information, so it was hard to piece it together. And I didn't have the social pressure because literally nobody was in shape around me i was the only one going to the gym maybe besides a couple guys that were on steroids already so there's maybe five five kids in the whole school that were going to gym and everybody else would do soccer or some other team sport and then you go to the gym and everybody's also on steroids and they're like you know what earn it shut the fuck up little boy you gotta do yeah that's what they said you gotta deadlift five plates first and squat four plates and bench three plates first and i never got yeah. to those three plates on the bench but i did do my my five plate deadlift and four plate squat, you know, two yeah. reps doesn't count. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you had to earn it, you know, back then. But now it's all online and nobody has to earn it anymore. And I think it's really messing with the mental state of some of these guys. You know, I mean, I, I see it in my inbox as well. And uh, well, I, I'm sure in your inbox, it's a little bit more pronounced because you're closer to these younger dudes. 
Yeah. And man, we should I kind of do like some sort of therapy class, therapy channel for these guys how to deal with their <laughs> self-esteem, right? <laughs> yeah. So so when it comes to these young guys, I mean, you know, they have so much social pressure, right? They have access to all of the information, but they're right. also very likely to jump the gun based on the information that they think they know. Do you think they're financially secure enough to afford everything that's required? Because I remember when I was like 15, 16, 17, 18, and, and even though I went to the gym, I thought about taking steroids, obviously, but I didn't feel ready. But the main drawback for me was just, I didn't have fucking money. To, yeah. I didn't have any money at that time, right. you know? And you live with your parents, you do a part-time job, you make like a little bit over minimum wage. And, and, and then, of course, the partying and the drinking and, you know, from Holland, so weed smoking, recreational drugs, yeah. all that nonsense, right? That, that's all a phase that you have to go through in your life. But besides that, I didn't, I didn't have any money for steroids. And maybe it's because the only guys that would sell steroids all were in that part of that underground uh, scene of pharmaceuticals. So an ampule of test was like eight euros. And you're like, eight euros? I can buy three beers for that. Yeah. <laughs> what the hell? Right. You know, like what is what is it like nowadays? Because I I can't imagine you know how how much money the the kids have available yeah. for this kind of stuff. So it, it definitely varies. You'll you'll meet some people who are so committed and so dedicated. You know, they eat, sleep, live, and breathe bodybuilding. And for mm -hmm. them, they're going to find some way to make it work. And they right. they know that blood work is important, and they're going to do everything they can, working overtime. You know, skipping the parties, skipping the you know the drinking mm -hmm. and whatever to just to go out and to get their bloods done. So there are people who make That's it happen, good. absolutely. But then there are people who they look at their budget and they say, well, I can't really get a full panel. Like, what if I just get the non-sensitive testosterone? Like, what if I just, you know, skimp on this, skimp on that? And eventually, before you know it, you know, you're working with a skeleton of what you actually should be looking at, right? Right. And the, the gear is another thing where to get quality sourcing stuff, there's a little bit of a price involved, but then there's also like, oh, I could get like from a bulk source, from underground, it's like pennies per vial. Okay, now it's, you know, is your body gonna handle that properly? Like, what's the quality of that like? There's a lot mm -hmm. of questions that are floating around. So you could definitely do a budget cycle, but mm -hmm. you are exposing yourself to more risk kind of as a result of that. And so maybe right. it might be better if you just wait, get a little more financially stable, and then you can fully get into this hobby from a better from a better point. <laughs> I can get behind that. Yeah, I mean that's one of the reasons why I waited that long because I never felt financially secure enough to deal with all the you know the, the, the expenses that came along with it. Because I, I did blood work every year um, when I was still drug free. I could just get it on as part of my um, insurance. Right, we have insurance in in Holland and the rest of Europe, so you can go in for blood work once per year. Now, this blood work didn't include any of the numbers or concentrations. So you just had numbers on paper, but no real reference ranges. So you're like, 25? What? Yeah. <laughs> wow. That's really weird. And they, would, and they would barely print it out. They would just tell you your blood work looked good. So I would always have to go in with an excuse, uh, doctor or, or a primary healthcare physician, not a doctor, right? The guy just knows a little bit about a lot of different subjects. Um, you know, the house doctor, right? Yeah. And I would just say that my libido is low, I feel depressed, I don't feel good, blah, blah, blah. Just really play the victim for him to do as many tests as I, I could squeeze within that, um, you know, insurance that I had. But yeah. testing testosterone or estradiol, or maybe you got total estrogens if you're lucky. So you get the estrone, estradiol, and estriol. 
And it was such a headache, dude. And I can imagine for kids, you know, just not having the confidence to do blood work because it's it's difficult to navigate these doctors that are just reactive and not preventative. Right. Yeah. Like what, we, what we need to do is pre, re, uh, preventative. We want to check the blood work parameters before we get our hands dirty and then during and after right, to see if we recovered from the pulse cycle therapy. But I think when you're younger, it's such a roadblock to deal with a, an old doctor and old, I'm saying over 30. Yeah. <laughs> That's old for these guys that are in their early 20s. Yeah. And, and, and they might have been bodybuilding since they were 15 years old, just like I do. They've put in six solid work years, right? Maybe they're ready financially and mentally and then, you know, got educated. But yeah. then the blood work is a huge issue. And I, I think that's really a shame because, you know, in America, it might be easier through America Health or some of the other uh, clinics right. to just do basic blood work. But dude, you go somewhere else, like in Holland, almost impossible, dude. I had to play like clinically depressed to get my blood work done every time. And, and I, I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure in other countries, it's even worse. Like if I look at my old blood work from Holland, it, it doesn't make any sense because you don't even know what the reference ranges are. <laughs> yeah, they try to keep you dumb, dude. They try to keep you dumb. It's 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 despicable. It's yeah. been nice. There are private, you know, uh, private blood work firms out in the U.S. so that people can just mm. pay out of pocket, show up somewhere, get right. their bloods drawn, and then there's there's no hassle. So it's a lot right. more accessible for younger guys. You don't have to deal with convincing your doctor to try and get this test, or it's like, well, I don't know if we should be doing that test. You're like, please, you know, I feel horrible. Mm. Give me this. Give me that. And then eventually, you right. you can mil milk it out of them, just like you're saying. Right. That's tough. I mean, especially if you imagine being like an 18 year old kid or God forbid, there's even younger kids who get on cycle trying to imagine mm. them, you know, fighting with their doctor for a, a certain blood marker. <laughs> Why I would you just, even bother? I can, <laughs> I can even picture it in front of me. Like it's like some 16 year old kid wanted to do an oral only cycle, but at least smart enough to do some baseline blood work. Yeah. And he goes into the doctor, barely any hair on his chest, you know, or face for that matter. And then arguing for the doctor, to, <laughs> I mean, I was the same, but I didn't want to do a cycle. I just wanted to see if I was healthy or not. Yeah. Uh, but just argu arguing to get that sensitive testosterone test and the sensitive yeah. estradiol test done, just to make sure that they're in the green. Yeah. Oh, man. Man, these kids are tough nowadays, man. It's, it's, it, they, should yeah. be, they should be happy with guys like you just trying to educate them and, and making it a little bit more digestible because, I mean, watching me have probably just too cumbersome already you know i don't know i mean blessing and a curse having all that information i know mm. um because we were talking about the the first pack podcast i was on with uh, justin harris right. he talked mm. about how he didn't even know steroids was a thing and so yeah. i think there's some mm. like unbelievable video of him squatting like five plates for 20 reps or something and he wasn't even on gear at the time because he didn't know what it was and so yeah. if you imagine a, a, a landscape where you see these really jacked guys, the only way to get there, you think, is just to train harder and find a better diet. That's mm -hmm. quite a healthy approach for the first couple of years. And then you realize down the line, oh, there is an enhancement that I can take. Well, now you're yeah. in a really great position where you've already built that baseline and then you go from there. But nowadays, it's like, you know, within the first couple months of lifting, you've got videos suggested on your on your For You page on TikTok, like, Oh, you know, she broke up with me. It's time to do trend. And you're like, what's trend? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Uh, and then you're like 17 years old and you're like, what is this trend? You go to Google. Oh, this sounds exciting. Yeah. You know, you go to Reddit, read all the, 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 the steroid reports. And then you have the trend twins to kind of guide you along the way. It's like a recipe for disaster. No, 
Yeah. And, and so it's just so easily accessible, which is a good thing, but also a bad thing in that sense, where it's like the second the human brain knows that there's a shortcut, I think it kind of forgets the hard work on the other end of things. Because always in the back of your mind, you're like, well, I could just make this easier. Like, what am I, what am I doing working my ass off for, for minimal results? Why am I not enhanced? You know, why don't I just get on already? Right. So yeah. that haunts guys, really. No, I know. And, and the funny thing is about Trimbalone, which is, of course, glorified everywhere nowadays, is that Trimbalone, you can do everything wrong, nutrition-wise, training-wise, cardio-wise, supplementation-wise, and you'll still get fucking results. It's unbelievable. You know, I mean, there's, there's reports out there of guys on Reddit that take train and don't even train, and they get leaner and more muscular. I mean, that's the same what happens to cattle, right? That's why Trimbalone yeah. was prescribed in, uh, in livestock, just to increase feed efficiency, so they eat... You know, the, the livestock food, grass, hay, whatever, and, and, and some antibiotics, obviously, or a lot of corn, right? That's the, the Western uh, livestock diet. And they get this finiplex injected with a little bit of estrogen, at least to compensate. At least the guys for livestock realize that estrogen is important for growth. <laughs> <laughs> and then we <laughs> don't, some, right? We're done with Yeah, the we don't. No, no, we take all the estrogen out and then just inject the trimble on acetate. And then you see these, these, this cattle just grow and grow and grow. And the, the comparison between livestock that's not on Trimbalone or Finiplex and livestock on Trimbalone, it's night and day. It's night and day. And all they do is walk around the field just eating or, or worse, just you know, somewhere where they're all caged up and they still get jacked. So that's why it's so popular because you can do everything wrong. You don't need a foundation. You don't need knowledge. All you have to do is inject and deal with the side effects. And then, of course, you know, some people will run up to 700 milligrams or 1,000 milligrams. You know, uh, don't worry, I've been there. I've been yeah. at 1,000 milligrams for a week, for four weeks, and I almost died. Not literally, but just I was walking side effects. Um, but yeah, I mean, the results that you get, you know, and luckily I already had, you know, a foundation of 11 years drug-free. Yeah. But I can't imagine what it's like just to hop on the train. I mean, Derek has made many videos about all these young kids just going on cycle and their voice yeah. gets super low and, you know, they're... <laughs> they get acne and gyno and cystic acne to the point the whole skin explodes. It's yeah, it's it's crazy to see. I don't think it will ever go away. Do you think no. there will be a point in time where everybody starts to wisen up and then suddenly all the teenage uh, uh, D-ball gangsters are gone? I think uh, that compounds definitely flux up and down in terms of popularity. It's almost like a, mm -hmm. like fashion styles where certain drugs are popular for a certain amount of time. And then they kind of fade out of popularity and then they come back into popularity. You know, Prima mm -hmm. for example, is definitely on the popular side right now. My and bad. There was a, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, you love it so much. I mean, you're not going to lie to people about it. So no, I love Primo. Exactly. Yeah. And so there's that, there's also been that, that period of time. And on the forums, people are like, oh, Prima Bolin's weak. Like, what are you doing messing around with that stuff for? And yeah. then it comes, mm -hmm. it comes back and people start realizing, oh, I don't know. It actually does have some applications. And I think that was kind of just the growing pains of the enhancement world where people think this is really good and then this is really good. But I imagine there's going to be a point at which it normalizes and everyone realizes, hey, like this is good for certain things, obviously genetics dependent. And then you start kind of stratifying every compound like that right. and then picking and choosing from your little toolbox, depending on what your goals are. Trend alone, as much as it's going to be notorious because of the side effects and what it does to people mentally, you know, you've seen all of Derek's horror story, Reddit post videos. There. I've been there. I've been there. I was, my yeah. wife gave me an ultimatum. She's like, it's you or it's a trend or uh, the marriage, yeah. you know, you can choose, right? Not, yeah. not to that extent, but she's like, you know, I came off trend. 
I think that last cycle was like 350 or 225 milligrams per week, which is, you know, modest. Yeah. And and she's like, you know, do you like yourself better off the trend? I'm like, where are we going with this? And she's like, I like you better off the trend. You're like a much better person, much kinder, much more patient, you know, the night sweat she can deal with and, and that kind of shit, you know, it's just yeah. on my side of the bed. But she, I, I realized like on trend, you don't even know how much of a dickhead you are. And then yeah. you get off of it. And if you have your significant other who can monitor you throughout that entire trend cycle, and it, they'll let you know, it's like, hey, you're a much better person. And it, she has that Thai tactfulness, you know, where they kind of manipulate you with sweet words and you just let it happen. <laughs> <laughs> Not the That's Western nice, girls. Though. The Western girls are so direct, like, fuck you, you're on train, I'm out of here. Yeah. The Thai girls are a little bit more tactful. The Thai girls are a little bit more tactful. So she was very, very kind in how she approached it. And then it made me, you know, she she formulated it in a way to make me think it was my own idea. So I stopped training. And honestly, right. my life has been 10 times better. And all the gains, I made so many more gains after that. I mean, I think the heaviest I got to was like 105, 108 kilos. That's wow. 220, 230, 235. And then off the train years later with insulin and growth hormone and IGF-1 and all that stuff, and high test, I think I came up to like 255, 260, much healthier, much wow. better blood work. Right? But it's also more cumbersome because, you know, if you run a, a boatload of train, Again, you know, if you make a mistake, you miss a meal or you double a meal, it doesn't matter. Yeah. It doesn't so, matter. You'll still jack. The <laughs> relationships and, and gear is something that I, I found that no one really tells you about until you end up mm -hmm. on it. And it's, end you know, divorced this, and single. Well, like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so you'll, you'll see these little stories and you're like, no, like that's not really going to be me. Right. And then even me, man, like I do my first cycle and. I jumped, I jumped straight to 300 milligrams of testosterone. And for reference, my natural mm. testosterone was 301 nanograms per deciliter total test. Oh, wow. Oh, so you, really, went, you went 10x. Yeah, pretty much. And so <laughs> I, it, uh, the, the spike I wasn't expecting, I didn't even, I was like, yeah, 300 is pretty low. I probably don't need to bridge to that. I guess I probably did because the estrogen fluctuation, like there's one, there's like a day where I'm like on the corner of the road, like crying and then I'm yelling at my roommates and then I'm like, thinking that I don't really like my girlfriend at the time. And I'm like, we can't do this anymore. I'm breaking up with you. Like just right. so all over the place did not expect like mood swings like that. Mm. But I think people focus a ton on the physical side effects. The mental yeah. ones are a lot harder to quantify, but this, this stuff can like really reorient your life. If you're not bracing yourself for it. It's, it's, it's very true. Like, and especially when you start at 300, 300 nanograms per deciliter and then you go to 3000, which is give or take where most people end up on 300 milligrams uh you know steroids per week it's a 10x so it heightens your emotions 10x and it's the same with alcohol people think that they're just normal on alcohol right no same shit all your emotions get heightened you drink alcohol when you're sad and you're going to be sadder and you drink alcohol when you're celebrating and you're celebrating hard right party hard yeah. it's it's and it's the same with steroids but the difference is on alcohol you just have one day on steroids you have 12 weeks 16 weeks you know, blasting and cruising for 10 years like I did, you know, you don't even come off. So you're always in this heightened state and then dude coming off of that. And then you realize, is my emotions blunted? Am I like apathic and adonia? That kind of stuff, because you've been in this heightened state for such a long time that you come down and it's a big difference. You know, I mean, coming off the last cycle, which was about a gram of steroids combined and then coming down to HCG and FSH for fertility purposes. I mean, it's a huge difference, you know? I mean, the, 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 the drive isn't there and the libido isn't there and the motivation isn't there. And 
you know, just the decision-making process, like a finite decision-making process that you have on TRT or more isn't there. So you kind of go in circles, like, should I do this? Should I do that? It's, it's very confusing. Even when you're 40 years old, man, it will, it will still be the same. So I can't imagine what it's like when you're younger because, I mean, I did have that, I think when I was 26, when I went on cycle, but my life kind of changed because the, the business consultancy field was going bankrupt was in an economic crisis, just like it is an economic crisis now. Um, I decided to stop that being employed and then doing my own thing. So my cycle, I was literally full-time bodybuilding for the first time in my life because I didn't have any other obligations. So I could kind of deal with it uh, because there was no roller coaster and I had enough money in the bank. But I I think when you start like that young and then you're still going to school and and, and trying to impress girls and the girl tells you that you're short, Even though you're fucking wet, uh, yeah. <laughs> sure. I mean, it, it, it's probably hard to deal with, you know. So, did you make up with your girlfriend after going through that roller coaster on your first cycle? Uh, there's been some roller coasters since then, so uh, not not yeah. really, but you know, it's things come and go anyway. And that's another temptation is to always blame the gear for things. Where it's mm-hmm. like, you know, do I actually have feelings for her, or is it because I'm on cycle, or you know, I oh I yeah. Have some, I have some friends who they, they tell me about their NPP experience and I don't know the meaning of this, but they seem to be very attracted to the uh, higher body fat percentage women. Yeah, the fat chicks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> On Nandrolone and Trimbolone, man, you, oh, you, they're, they're, man. It, it, it goes down. I don't know if this, all this progesterone makes you just want to spread the love and the semen around, but <laughs> no, I see that. Here in Thailand, it's even worse because you have all these guys on Trimbolone, right? They're trying to recomp. They go to, stare, uh, to Thailand for their steroid holiday. And they bang trannies. Oof, yeah. And it's like, I say, yeah, I can't help myself on this trend. I, I just want to fuck the lady boss. I'm like, dude, what? Dude, what are you doing? <laughs> it's a, it's uh, a common joke, you know. <laughs> you uh, take them out to the entertainment area and say, what about this bar? Cockatoo. I say, what do you think the bar is about? <laughs> you know, the banana bar. What do you think this bar is about? I said, I want to have a look. And then the, you can't drag them out of it. And then, oh, then you know, six weeks later, they're off the train and they they feel embarrassed. Exactly. <laughs> they think back on everything they've done and they're like, oh, no. Uh, yeah. yeah. Like all of it comes back to you. You're like, oh, I guess I did do that. Whoops. Yeah. It's, yeah. That's a- <laughs> but all those sophomore girls that are a little bit chunky, they love the guys on train probably. Well, because they finally get a little bit of action, piece of the pie as well. <laughs> They're uh, banging all the short dudes on yeah. train. <laughs> Everyone gets the love. It all balances out, right? Great. <laughs> same as, same as, well, when I was younger, we used to go to these raves and then you have MDMA, yeah. right? They're recreational drugs and it's the same. Right? You get all lovey and feely and, you know, you're right. a, you, a, a six looks like an eight and a four looks <laughs> like a seven. And it's like, ah, that's good enough. And it's dark, right? You don't see anything. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. And then you have to live with that for the rest of your life. Yeah. The rave culture has been very popular, overlapped with bodybuilding. I imagine there was a lot of overlap back in the day. You know, people want to yeah. look good for the raves. And so they, they get into mm-hmm. it there. But it's definitely been alive and well, even into the modern age. And it's really delicate to deal with because you have these guys that are basically peaking for a rave like it's a show. <laughs> You know, why you banging all these orals in your body and you're, you're really like redlining yourself and then you're going to go dance in a hot crowd for like eight hours straight. That's yeah, a recipe with for MDMA and, and, and yeah, coke all the or, 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 you know, yeah, geez, drug drug, which again, I'm, I'm not against because I, I can't preach because I, I used to take rec drugs when I was younger, but I stopped before, by the time I, you know, went the bodybuilding route. So I did all my yeah. partying and 
and all these raves. I mean, Holland, the raves are gigantic, dude. We had the biggest raves. Right? Yeah, yeah. 50,000 people. It was unheard of back then, you know, 70,000. Besides the Love Parade, which was in Germany, that's a million people. A million people following these these uh, buses around. Yeah. yeah. It's um, it's crazy, crazy part. Of and, and drugs would, would have been handed out readily because Holland produces that. So you can get ecstasy tablets for a euro. Or for a gilder, you know, that's the, the previous currency. It was so cheap, dude. Yeah. Right? And then high purity, too. So we're talking about 70 milligrams, not 200 milligrams like you need to take nowadays. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, and, and you see a lot of people, exactly like you said, you either come from the recreational drug phase where the entry to steroids is easier because you're used to taking drugs. So you go from yeah. one drug to the next. And then instead of going to all these raves and partying and meeting people there, you go to the same thing, but in the gym. Yeah. Right, going to the gym multiple times per day. You're very social, very active, talking with people all the time, hitting up girls. So it's the same as what you would do with raves. Yeah. And then the 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 drug of choice changes from recreational to performance enhancing. It's right. I mean, there's there's clear correlation. It works the other way also backwards. Ask Dorian Yates. Yeah, I mean, he he did it the other opposite way, right? He went from hardcore bodybuilding from 18 to you know early 30s. You want yeah. all these Mr. Olympias, and now he's doing recreational drugs and, and, and coke and I, ayahuasca and whatever else. And now he's a full yogi doing yoga. So you go through these phases in life, but you're right. Yeah. I mean, the threshold to do something else is so much lower. I do think there's just something to say for all of it because it, it kind of enrich your personality as long as you don't do it yeah. too frequently. Because all the, all the people that I know that used to rave and are still going out and they did recreational drugs for decades. Ooh. That's rough, dude. Those guys. Yeah, yeah, you're chasing a dying high. I mean, at a certain point, your body's sensitivity to it is just basically shot. I, you know, uh -huh. especially if you're going to keep like bumping up the number of pills that you're taking every weekend. You know, yeah. you're just chewing them like little gummy bears at that point. And what are you really know, getting out of that besides damage? Uh, not much. No. Yeah. No. It's and these guys can't stop because they're semi addicted to the whole dance culture. You know. Yeah. It's, and, uh, I, I think a Niall, a Niall Nye guy does it really, really well because he likes a rave right. as well. And he, you know, he, he's on performance enhancing drugs, but during that time, he doesn't really take wrecks. And then he just goes out with his food and Tupperware and protein and just dances for eight hours. And, and that's how he stays lean. Yeah, get the cardio in, exactly. <laughs> he gets the cardio in. Yeah, it's yeah. hilarious. And then on his story, he's just sharing what he's doing and he's not intoxicated at all. Right? Yeah. Usually by the time it's six o'clock, eight o'clock, the jaw starts going. Yeah. all over the screen with most the party goers all, yeah the know, pupils go yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, love, I love the rave scene that, although I, i've definitely been going sober and i do like it quite a bit so i, I really like niall being in that space mm -hmm. and saying something positive about you can still go out and have a really good time you know you don't need to be taking every drug under the sun to to enjoy it and to be fully a part of that scene it's really cool exactly exactly you can be like the trip sitter you know for most guys who drive them yeah. home and and then if you do want to take something, okay, that's fine. We just come off everything. You know, I, yeah. I think you can only do so much damage to your body at, at one time. So if you're completely off, right, or maybe just TRT and you want to do something in the comfort of your home or go to a rave, that's totally fine. But don't expect to look like Ziz uh, at the rave where you're all jacked and tanned and, and super shredded and you can, you know, take your shirt off for all the girls or walk around shirtless and yeah. get all this attention because it, it, it just doesn't go well together at the same time, you know? I mean, I, I knew guys that would take clenbuterol, 120 micrograms per day, all the way up to the rave, and then take MDMA. I mean, imagine how much heart damage you're inducing. Yeah, 
you, your heart's gonna explode at that point. I mean, yeah, I just, and then dancing for eight hours, not eating, of course. Yeah, yeah, it did look I'm, good though, but how for how long? <laughs> I don't think it's right. sustainable at all. No, that's not. Do you do you get questions like this from uh, younger people that are in both fields, like in the fitness field and the rave field, and are trying to manage it? Because I, I rarely see it where people do both, like what now yeah. is doing. Right. Um, but he does it smartly, right? I mean, he's focusing on his career and he's, he's not missing a beat on social media. Um, yeah. But I would say there's, there's definitely a demographic for it. You know, there are plenty of guys like Nile and they do have really big social media followings. And so mm -hmm. kind of within their space, they're probably the ones who are getting the questions where it's like, Hey, you know, me right. and my buddies are going out. I'm on cycle. I'm on this. I'm on that. Like, what do you think I should do here? And it would be cool if I get to a point where as I'm out more frequently and I'm, I'm posting mm. more often, the kind of stuff that I like to enjoy, then people could come to me for those kinds of questions and say, you know, mm. Hey, I do like doing a little recreational this, like, what should yeah. I consider? Like, should I stop my clam all? Yes. But you know, all of these other things <laughs> that, that yeah, they don't take consider. any, it's Viagra because I mean, you can use Dan Bolzerian as a perfect example, right? He took Coke and Viagra together. He had a heart attack. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So, you know, and that's, that's not uncommon, you know, for guys to do that. It's, uh, it's pretty brutal. That is something that's been really popular with a younger guys lately is using, um, PD five inhibitors as pre-workouts. Mm. So Cialis yeah. and Viagra, they, they like to use before the gym, they get really good pumps from it. You know, all the vasodilation is awesome. There's definitely a couple things to be careful of if you're going to be using that, mm. especially if you're naturally a hypotensive person. You don't want to be passing out in the gym because you took too much to Dalafil, right? Right. Exactly. It's yeah, you can fun. thank me and Skip Hill for that one. Yeah, that was you guys. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah. Ken Skip uh, Hill was one of the first guys to talk about it. Then John Meadows. I mean, this is an older crowd, you know. John Meadows passed away, unfortunately. But Ken Skip Hill's yeah. he's one of the he's the original internet coach. The original Yeah, he's on think he's on Think Big Bodybuilding. Yeah, yeah really exactly. Right, right, right. So yeah, you used to have his website, Intense Muscle, where Dante Trudell and many of the fitness uh, or bodybuilders used to kind of gravitate and share information. I was just always too scared to uh, register because these guys would be brutal uh, online. Yeah. So I would just read, 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 read. Anyway, so again, Skip Hill kind of introduced, you know, the like uh, Cialis uh, as a pre-workout. And then I kind of rolled with it after my own experimentation over the years and brought it to the bigger audience. And now it's very, very popular. But yeah, it, it, of course, it can cause some side effects if you're not, you know, don't understand sodium or blood volume or you start combining that. With uh, something like Gorilla Mode Nitric or some of these other pump products, you know, yeah. <laughs> just faint. I mean, how right. many kids are fainting on the deadlift nowadays because of this pre-workout cocktail? I'm, I'm wondering. <laughs> right. Or bad form. I mean, you see a yeah. plethora of different issues. Uh, that, that is where I first saw it. It was, uh, it was Derek's video. He has the little bottle of Gorilla Nitric and the little pill of Cialis. And it's his thumbnail. Yeah. And then he explains, you know, vasodilation and nitric oxide, all that good stuff. So. Yeah. But then obviously the downsides of it where, you know, you open your blood vessels a little too much, then you're, and then you're in the danger zone. But for guys yeah, who are on gear, it's not that bad. I mean, you're, you're probably already hypertensive at that point. Yeah. And we train a lot harder than the naturals because, you know, all this steroids just make you train harder and you can go to failure and beyond. And, and that's why it's so fun to train on steroids and not fun when you come off steroids. Yeah. <laughs> because you, I mean, your workout quality is just 10 times better. I mean, the last yeah. time I had a good workout was. Man, February, like within <sighs> the first four weeks after. Oh, you <laughs> That's horrible, man. right? You yeah, so for Feb February, I had a, a good workout. Uh, I, I stopped steroids beginning of this year, right, for the fertility protocol. And then you have like four weeks, six weeks left. 
that these you know steroids are still active in your system and then after that everything is kind of meh you know and this is where the addiction basically comes in because you're as soon as that starts to happen and your workouts go down the recovery comes down and even though you're super meticulous with your diet and the training program and, and you go from a five-day bro split to a push-pull legs because otherwise you don't recover right you keep reps and reserves and then over six months you look in the mirror and you're like you can't even recognize yourself you're just fat and like what the hell is going on? You're just unhappy with how you look. And then yeah. you wonder, like, why am I even going to the gym? Because you're going to the gym partially um, for physical appearance, right? And to look healthy and fit. And yeah. then it all just all falls apart. Even my, my testosterone levels right now are like 600, 700 yeah. nanograms per deciliter, but that's from the HCG. But it's not enough to sustain the muscle mass and the metabolism and, and all that stuff. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, yeah. it's pretty rough, you know? It's pretty rough. Do you, do you have guys in your inbox after the first cycle, they do PCT and then everything fell apart? Oh, I'm sure you, that happens a lot too. Uh, maybe not so much like it falls apart, but they're, they're always asking, you know, like how much muscle do I keep on PCT? You know, how much muscle am I going to keep after the cycle? Zero. And it's like, exactly. you know, if I'm honest with you, it's not really a good answer. And so going from there, there are guys where once they're done with their cycle, they're like immediately thinking about their next one. They're, they're asking me like, mm -hmm. how, how long do I really have to wait before I get on my cycle again? Like, you know, can I do like two weeks? Can I do like three weeks? And you're like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, take it's it easy. Like, make, make, make sure your blood works at least good before you're going to get back on cycle again. Right. Yeah. All the metabolites are still in your system. You're not even off cycle, really. I mean, Novadex and Clomid, if you use that for PCT, it's still active for 45 days after your last uh, administration. So yeah. even within 45 days, if your testosterone levels are still high, you need to wait three months after you finish your pulse cycle therapy, just to see if your pulse cycle therapy was even successful. Yeah, you know, I've, I've got so many videos in an ebook about pulse cycle therapy and people still do it wrong, right? Long story right. short, you need to let all these drugs metabolize. Then you can start your PCT, right? The yep, consistent of exactly. ATG, or maybe you run that throughout or at least the testicular function is sustained, but you need all these metabolites to be out of your system for the negative feedback to stop. And then you can stimulate the feedback uh, with these serms. So in that case, it works, but most guys still go with this cookie cutter internet PCT. Testosterone intake to stop the injections, you run HCG. Now your testosterone levels are still high by the time you start PCT. Right? These are still active in your system, actively suppressing. And even though if you do a high dose of Novadex and Colomid, by the time you finish your four weeks Novadex and Clomid, this testosterone anatate that you injected six weeks ago, still active and the estrogen is still there, still causing a negative feedback. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's quite painful. And then they want to go back on cycle two weeks later. So they basically had eight weeks between the last testosterone injection and going back on cycle. Yeah. Nothing happens right. in between besides liver stress. You yeah, know, and, and clotting, crash your HPTA, and then like try and force it back up, and then you're crashing it again because you're getting on cycle again. Yeah. You know, at that point, you'd better just be blasting and cruising, or just at least doing like a low dose, long term cycle, right? Mm -hmm. No, I agree. I agree. It's uh, but it's of course that's a lot of commitment, and and people don't want to realize this. What what right. I what I do see is is a lot of guys that they want to get to their natural potential faster by taking steroids and then maintain it. Yeah. This is another one of those, like, just like a height protocol, right? Like, I, I, I'm 18 years old. I want to be as big as I can naturally, and I'm going to take steroids as, uh, to attain it and then maintain. <laughs> Dude, it, it, it doesn't work like that. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it doesn't work like that. I mean, I should post my picture online now of how that look. And then people realize, like, wait a minute, 
it's not sustainable at all. I mean, to be fair, did, did you see those pictures when I went to Bali like a couple of weeks I ago? I don't think so. Okay. No. So I was off cycle for maybe four months and I, I was really motivated and regimented and I, I still trained hard and ate right and actually got leaner in yeah. the meantime and then remained a little bit of fullness. So I went from about 105 kilos to 92. So I lost 13 kilos. Okay. <laughs> 13 kilos, that's 25 pounds went down after taking the steroids out. But yeah. I still had decent shape, right? And then after that, I couldn't sustain it. I increased my food a little bit and just everything fell apart. So there is a window of time that you can sustain your shape, probably yeah. because you're motivated or these, these metabolites are still active. And you know all the metabolic processes are still activated, even though the steroids are out of your system. Yeah. But there will come a point in time where you look like ass. Yeah. And the people who don't look like ass are still in something. Yeah, exactly. And that's you know? that's just one of the biggest things is people say, oh, well, like so-and-so came off. Like, he still looks great. Did he really come off? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I came off 100% and I looked good up until a certain point. And right. then it fell apart. Yeah. You know, now I have to kind of come back again. Uh, so there's no progress pictures on my Instagram for a while. <laughs> <laughs> right. I know that feeling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's it's horrible. I mean, the body is very dynamic when you start taking steroids. You know, you need to be mentally yeah. mature to kind of deal with that. Like for me, it's no not a problem anymore. Right. I've gone through this process of getting smaller, getting bigger, getting leaner, getting fatter. Yeah. You know, it, it's just all part of the game. But I think when you do your first cycle and you get in phenomenal shape, and then everything after that, after getting in phenomenal shape, you look worse. Then, because now you have this extreme high, right, of looking crazy. Yeah. And now everything after that is like less than. Right. And then you, you're kind of chasing that high, the same it's, as, you know, going to party. Exactly. Yeah. It's all, it's all relative. And so, you know, it's that same feeling. You're on cycle, you feel amazing, you feel like Superman, and then you become mm -hmm. normal man again. You're like, well, I know what it's like to be Superman. Like, what am I doing just hanging around here for? It's, it is nice that, you know, I, I'm blessed in my personal experience where I've never had that many issues with my self-perception or like with my own progress. And so it's, mm -hmm. it's really nice that I can come from that standpoint and tell guys, you know, if you are going to get on cycle and you're going to blast and cruise, you're going to PCT, there's going to be ebbs and flows in what your physique looks like. You right. can't always look peak cycle all the time without adding a lot of stress to your body. And so there's that balancing act between, you know, how much are you going to take? How much are you going to balance that? How are you going to stay healthy while you're pursuing that goal physique? And are you going to be okay with knowing that it's a snapshot in time? You know, you're not right. always going to look like the best version of yourself. Dorian Yates has had to use a lot of psychedelics, like just like we were talking about, to basically become okay with the fact that he's not the shadow anymore. You know, he is, mm -hmm. he's an ordinary man in many ways. Yeah. Yeah. You have to get out of reality quite a bit to uh, kind of deal with it. Yeah. And there's, yeah. there's something to say for that as well, you know, when the time is right. I'm not against it in any way, shape, or form, trust me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it does take some, you know, either some, you know, hardcore self-reflection and ego destruction uh, before you come to terms with that. And it's it, it can be very tough. I mean, I, I see it now in the older demographic, like all these guys that are now turning 40 and they can't maintain their shape and they're, they're yeah. very insecure about how they look. And all they had was bodybuilding or all they had was looking exceptional. And now they can't sustain it and they don't know what else to do, right? Their, their entire existence depends on the reflection. And it's, yeah. it's very painful to watch. I mean, I think Fouad Abiyad is coming to terms with it now, but I think for many years, you know, after he got his kidney injuries and uh, some of those muscle tears, I mean, it, I think he was a mental wreck. And it, it comes across at, at the podcast quite a bit, especially in the beginning. Mm. Now, he's, now he's doing better with it, but yeah. 
And, and then you see with Jay Cutler, for example, he can't let it go either. Now he's doing the fit, fit for 50. And, but I think Jay Cutler yeah. is still in a good state of health or at least based on how it looks. Right. Um, you know, so you, you can sustain your health if you have like awesome genetics for abuse. Yeah. <laughs> Cause well, don't get me wrong. Those guys don't do, don't do small cycles, but they can just no. tolerate the drug. Yeah. Yep. You got the <laughs> consistency of force. You're, yeah. You're fine. So that also helps. Yeah. That also helps. Yeah. Right. For sure. Exactly. For sure. For right. sure. So what what you what you said to the younger audience? Like, what are the key takeaways of just you know doing it right? Like, besides the first cycle, like, what do you think is the foundation for these guys if they're like before below twenty five years old? What do they need to do just to don't mess themselves up? Yeah, key takeaways. Right. So one of the key things I think is to first prioritize education. So you're going to start from a standpoint of. With, with anything really, you know, if before you do something, you should know as much as you can reasonably know about it. Even driving a car, you know, you're not just going to get into a car for the first time, know nothing about it and just say, well, I'll figure it out. You should definitely get to a point where you at least know what button does what, right? Get to a point where you're mm -hmm. comfortable with it. And then the second point I would say is risk uh, acceptance, where you got to look at all of the risks and ask yourself and be honest with yourself. You know, am I going to be okay with maybe not having kids, assuming that, you know, your fertility isn't tackled and all of that? Am I going to be okay with maybe losing my hair or getting uh, back acne or all of these other side effects? <laughs> Though they can be mitigated, you should be ready just in case you're not able to, you know, nip them in the bud before they explode out of control. Right. And then beyond that, uh, one of the most important things that I like to tell guys is because some people will say, Oh, like I'm thinking about doing a cycle, but I don't know. I'm scared of needles or I'm scared of this or I'm scared of that. The bottom line is before you get into that, there should be zero doubts in your mind. There shouldn't be even a fraction of a doubt. You should not have like a little bit of a, well, what if, or what if I did this? You should be going into it basically like I'm ready. I know that this is the life for me. I know what that life looks like. All the ups and downs of it, everything that's included, mm -hmm. the financial cost, because that's no joke. And right. then you do that first pin and you're like, all right, I'm in it. And right. there's obviously ways to come out of that, but, um, it, it, I think it's, it differs, especially with guys who in my position, my natural testosterone is very low. Mm -hmm. I, I'm in this for life. You know, there's not really that big of an option for me to do an HCG monotherapy. I don't know how well I would respond to that. Um, mm -hmm. and so I'm looking at it more of a, maybe TRT for life is, is right for me. I don't know. What, right. what are your thoughts on that? So, so what I see with a lot of young kids nowadays, you know, when they're or not kids, I mean, compared to any kids, right? So. Guys are like, you know, 17 up till 25, and they're thinking about doing their first cycle. They do their baseline testosterone level, and they're like 250, 300, 400, or 600. That's too low. Okay, what did you try yeah. to bring that up? Did you yeah. do a testicular ultrasound to see if you have a varicose cell, right? A mild varicose cell or a severe varicose cell or something in between, right? Where the blood flow to the testicles is just not correct. Right? It could be a structural issue. Maybe you got kicked in the nuts a couple times during you know, some school uh, events or, or, you know, you just hit the genetic lottery and you got a varicose cell since birth. And that's why you didn't go to puberty correctly, right? Those are all on the table. You need to get that diagnosed before you say, well, this, this 300 nanograms per deciliter is finite. Yeah. And it will always stay like this. And I can't bring it up because mine were 600, right? But I lived the lifestyle 100% besides, mm. you know, doing the work and stuff. Right? But I would bring my meals. I would not miss workouts. And with the limited knowledge about supplements I had, the creatine and the taurine 
and the NSE, uh, you know, the NSL cysteine, that kind of stuff, the basic supplements we had back then. Yeah. I did it all. I did it all. I fully left the lifestyle as much as I could and, and still going to work, right? Still doing my money making, which social media didn't exist. So all you had to do was you know, be employed and, and work hard and, and then you get a salary, right? <laughs> that's, yeah. that's the options we had back then. <laughs> um, good luck being self-employed when you're like 21, 25 years old without social media. It's, it's very hard. Yeah. especially in Holland with a ton of roadblocks. So, you know, you, you do the part and then you realize, okay, 600 is quite good. But then over a decade, I saw it come down, you know, from like 750, 800 down to 600 uh, ranges. And then you yeah. realize, okay, I'm at my natural limit and I'm financially secure. I've got this long tail data of blood work. Uh, I didn't do a testicular ultrasound because I didn't know about that, but my testosterone yeah. levels were quite okay. I didn't yeah. do ATG monotherapy to see if my testicles would respond to that because yeah. nobody talked about it, right? I was one of the first, even though I yeah. didn't. I mean, if you go to PubMed, you see that you know, doctors have been doing ATG monotherapy for decades, and it's not something new. But I think I was one of the first to talk about it. Like, if you're thinking about a first cycle, why don't we see if your testicles are responsive to ATG? So at least we know that yeah. by the time you come off or you, you use ATG on cycle, um, that your fertility stays sustained and that your PCT is going to be successful. Yeah. Right? Why don't we do a testicular ultrasound to see what's going on internally? Maybe one of your testicles kind of messed up. Maybe that's why your testosterone is so low. Right. Yeah. And then, of course, this is something you can still do and, 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 you know, so many people can do also. But yeah, school, stressful, recreational drugs, not good for testosterone levels. Yeah. Um, you know, trust me, I've been there. <laughs> you know, the, I mean, nutrition, which is getting worse by the year, right? I mean, it's even scientific evidence now that nutrition and uh, environmental factors are just one of the reasons why, why uh, testosterone levels are declining. And when you start treating your body like, you know what, I want to get the most out of it. Uh, again, takes a lot of money, which most young guys don't have. Unless you're on social media banking, which I would, you know, advise people to do, yeah. <laughs> right? But you have to offer something of value like Tanner, right? Offer something of value, not just butt cheeks and, and, and silly exercises. Yeah. <laughs> and OnlyFans, I mean, yeah, yeah, the potential of OnlyFans is limitless, of course. Um, right. But yeah, you know, getting to that financial position when you're younger and then, and then taking the plunge. I mean, I'm not against it if you've been bodybuilding for a couple of years and, and you're in a, a position where you can, you know, learn and, and, you know, gain the knowledge to make you have a good outcome. I'm not against it, but I would still yeah. advise people to wait until they're like, you know, 25, 26 years old. You know, it was kind of right. like the age when I was, um, but I'm an old fart, so don't listen. Yeah. What do I know? <laughs> <laughs> that's, you know, that's, that's honestly the, the downside of it, is that the, the education, like, it's, it's all out there, but then it's a matter of like, is it actually accessible to the people who need it? Because in my mm -hmm. experience, it was, you know, I had known about some things, but I didn't even, I didn't realize something like, you know, enclomiphene could have been an option to just see if I can mm -hmm. elevate my natural production that way, or something like HCG, just as a purely yeah. HCG monotherapy experiment. Um, I, I mean, I did do an experiment on cycle where like I deliberately let my nuts shrink and then I added an HCG during the cycle and they actually got volume uh, again. So that was pretty cool. To surprise the girlfriend, like, look at this magic trick. <laughs> 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 yeah, exactly uh helps with the uh the load volume too that's always fun um yeah exactly uh, it, right. it's a but so, it, so what yeah. doesn't help though what what doesn't help at your age is that hcg is harder to come by than sar sarms that doesn't help at all yeah 
You know, like like HCG is very difficult to source nowadays. There's only a couple sources who carry it because, you know, somebody in government figured that HCG should have been listed as a biological. So it's even more difficult to get through a TRT clinic. And that makes it for guys who are wisened up even harder to do it correctly from the start because you can buy SARMs everywhere. There's discount codes for that, for fuck's sake. Yeah. But pharmaceutical HCG of high quality, good luck, man. I mean, it's hard and you have to import it, which makes you run the risk. When SARMs, you can literally buy, you know, domestically and get it within the mail and, and no questions asked. So that, that you know, makes a, the entry a little bit harder. Because if, even if you want to do it correctly, it, it might be difficult to start correctly because of the right. the liability and the legal issues yeah, and the yeah. sourcing. At, at least, you know, with the SARMs, because they are just all generic anyway, uh, the, there is that, like, eight, the, what is it, generic HCG is available on a lot of mm-hmm. the uh, research chemical websites. I know that my brand right. has HCG. I personally found success with it, but um, mm-hmm. it is always going to be safer, you know, if you have that very, very high quality source. Um, right. Yeah, just that just that downside of pricing, especially for guys who really are looking for like a fertility protocol. The amount of HCG that you need to use is quite up there, and that's not cheap. It's not nice on the wall. You're gonna break the bank, dude. Trust me. Yeah, I'm breaking the bank every month, and I, I'm lucky that I can get it for a better price than most people because I'm a celebrity now. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> isn't that funny? All the little you know? perks you get sourcing things. It's fun. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so that's a funny thing. Like people always ask me, like Steve, what about the source? Where do I find? So just become part of the fitness industry, and these sources will find you, dude. Yeah, they'll find well. you. Yeah, you know, all you have to. That's why I always tell people: just at least get on social media if you want to be a part of the fitness industry, because Instagram or TikTok or YouTube—that's literally your resume. Yeah. Where people can see you, and and the more posts you have, and the more likes, and the more followers, and the more reputation you have, the more leverage you have to get shit done. Yeah, not with the doctor. Doctor's not going to give a shit <laughs> about your TikTok following. Right. But at least within the rest of the industry, I mean, you you got uh, first detachment nutrition, right? And then yeah, really which, which, yeah, right. And this peptide company that you're working with, yeah, ResearchM dot store. Yeah. ResearchM. What else? How? Which other affiliates have you got so far? Uh, so it's a research M store. And then I also, ha- I used to work with Amino Asylum, but not so much anymore. Right. Uh, okay. And then um, there's a local supplement shop that I really like. So I support my local guys, Ultimate Sports Nutrition. Okay. Good. Yeah. So you, you got three sponsors. And how old are you now? I am 23. 23, three sponsors. I mean, yeah. that's getting it done. Yeah. That's getting it done. It's more Great. sponsors than I had when I was 23 because there was no social media. <laughs> and my, my my mom was a sponsor. She would give me sa- uh, yeah, it's allowance. Nice, like, right? Yeah, it's like 10 yeah. bucks a week. <laughs> Good luck. No, so but listen, every sponsor obviously makes some money, right? You put that together with your services and then you got a good salary. So this is why I try to make all young people understand that, listen, the, the, the opportunities on social media are limited and you don't need to go on a cycle right away or do anything crazy. Yeah. But as long as you monetize your uh, fitness journey or whatever expertise you have to contribute, then then at least you can afford the blood work and, right. and, and get the yeah. pharmaceuticals. Right? It's just to get some disposable income, even if it's only 500 bucks a month. Yeah, you know, it, it helps. I mean, 500 bucks oh, a wow. month for blood work every month is it's a lot. It's free blood work, basically. Right. Yeah. You know, <laughs> of course, I'll spend it on SARMs, but <laughs> dude, you know. I, I think there's a lot of opportunity, more opportunity than, than we had as a kid mm-hmm. uh, and younger. You know, that's that's why I think, you know, if you go that route, at least document it. You know, if you're gonna take steroids when you're that young, at least document something about right. it. Like 
Sam Sulek, and and I, I don't think he's natural, and I don't think he's li- saying that he's natural, but he's at not. least he's banking on it, right? Yeah. <laughs> at least yeah. he's banking on it, and, and, and so are you. So, right. That's why I think it's good. Uh, on the other side, um, you know, it is it is still like for me as an older guy, I'm still a little bit worried sometimes about all these kids online on steroids, but I, I don't think yeah. it's going to change. I don't yeah. think it's going to change. It, you know, kids are always going to do dumb things. I think that's definitely the case. But exactly what you're saying with social media, it's, you know, almost in any field, it doesn't necessarily have to be bodybuilding or PED mm-hmm. education. You can leverage social media to just tell everyone about what you do as your day-to-day mm-hmm. job. You right. know, whether you're a doctor or a lawyer or like a construction worker, there is a place and an audience of people who will follow that. And maybe somewhere along the line, there's a supplement that makes your life easier. You get a discount code with them. You start showing that to your followers. It makes their lives easier. And now you have this extra stream of income that kind of Mm -hmm. came just by you documenting your day-to-day life. And that's a really, really powerful tool for people that they don't even realize. When I was even making gear content, I was natural when Mm -hmm. I was making it for a while. So it's not like... Oh, really? Yeah. (laughs) That's a little bit too early, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and it was very basic. You know, I'm not, I'm not uh, pretending like I knew anything. Everything I was saying right. was like, Hey, there is this thing that says this. I'm just like the, the mouthpiece for saying that. Right. I'm not saying like, I have experience with this and you should do this. And like, never, I'm not, <laughs> not going to be saying stuff like that, but you know, right. base, basic level stuff, like your first cycle is not going to make you look like Chris Bumstead. Basically anyone can mm. say that natty or not. Right. Um, right. But, but that's the message I want to say is like, you don't have to be on gear to be successful. And mm. a lot of kids, they see that as like, oh, if I want to be serious about the fitness industry, I should drop out of college and get on steroids and really make mm. a life for myself. I'm going to get a discount code with this company or that company. You know, mm. just focus on developing that quality content for yourself and everything else will, will kind of come and come towards you, really. Yeah. And there's a lot of YouTube channels which are actually drug free and, and they got millions of followers, you know, but they're just entertaining and they got good content and yeah. they really put in the work, you know, and, and, you know, I don't think gear is required. Of course it helps. I mean, it helps a lot. Let's be honest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's pretty, <laughs> Especially, yeah. Yeah, and it helps even more if you lie about it, uh, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. It's ridiculous. Yeah. It, it's <sighs> uh, people, I mean, there's so many people willing to believe it, that it's attainable natural, but that's like the lowest hanging fruit. You know, that's what a lot of yeah. these guys. I mean, aim for they they aim for the lowest hanging fruit. People are completely lost, and then yeah. they have these very false expectations and and supplements to market towards that, which are just proprietary blends. You can't even research it. But this uh, this lowest cool. hanging fruit they will never research, right? And that that's the majority of the people out there. If I take this supplement that this guy that looks absolutely jacked uh, uh, talks about, then I'll look like him. But in reality, he's on a boatload of GH and test and whatever else yeah it's that's an epidemic will also never go away mm-hmm. um yeah but i mean what can you do you know i mean i think everybody has to learn the hard way in that sense you know to kind of get through that <laughs> and then yeah. they get to a position like like they get educated by you or by me or some of the other educators and they realize oh you know what there is more to this stuff there is more, more to this stuff there's a lot yeah. more <laughs> It's There's it's bizarre. I talk with um, a lot of my other influencer buddies, like the guys that I'm on the team with at Research M. Um, mm. We we really noticed it's super unfortunate that some of the most popular people in the industry are in some way or another based on lies. You know, whether they're yeah. lying about their physique through Photoshop or lying mm. about it through enhancements that they're not being open about. 
or even they say that they are on enhancements, but the doses they're fibbing and saying are disproportionately lower than they might right. actually be. And I think it's that it's that gap between like what they say they're doing and how they actually mm. look that everyone gravitates to. It's like, wow, like it's incredible. Their genetics are insane right. or like they're a phenom and it puts you in this myth, mythological spot when in reality right. it's, you know, it's, it's based on lies. And so it's, it's especially from the mental perspective I'm talking about earlier, it's so damaging to young guys who think I want to look like that, but you know, taking so-and-so supplement is not going to make you look that way completely. No, and then, and then even when they take cycle so-and-so, they're not going to look that way. And so they double it and triple it. Exactly. Exactly. And they're still not going to look like that because they don't have the, you know, the work ethic or the financial backing that all of these guys do. I mean, I mean, the financial backing that guys like I have or other bigger channels have, I mean, we can literally afford everything we want. And most of it is free because we get it either to our sponsor or we make so much with our discount code that we, I mean, the last time I had, I haven't paid for supplements in over three years. Exactly. <laughs> right. I mean, like yeah. people use my iHerb discount codes, just over-the-counter supplements, ubiquinol and N-acetylcysteine and that kind of stuff. Yeah. People use my discount code so much so that I just um laundry now we call it laundry uh laundry whatever revenue i make from the discount code through supplements so i yeah. get them on a discount through my own uh you know supplement line and then i just use some of my affiliate commissions to pay for the supplements and send it here so i literally mm -hmm. haven't paid for you know health supplements for two or three years yeah. because people use my codes right but i'm in a very comfortable position because i provide information and people want to use my discount codes as a uh, thank you, basically. Like, yeah. Steve, I like what you're doing. Same as your case. I like what you're doing. Exactly. Good stuff. Right? You educate yeah. me. You help me. And, and I'm going to save me myself money. And you're getting a kickback because everybody get a, gets a kickback when the discount codes are used. I mean, that's no secret. Um, so I'm in a position where I can literally afford everything that I need to. But yeah, when I, when I was just getting started um, with bodybuilding or with performance enhancing drugs, that certainly wasn't the case. And then you really have to make a decision. On what you spend money on and that that yeah. sometimes is very very hard like we alluded to earlier i mean it's you know you can do a basic cycle basic blood work but it might be better just to wait you know <laughs> get financially yeah. secure because if you're yeah. pinching pennies just to like barely get through your cycle mm -hmm. it goes wrong or like you immediately need this or immediately need that or like some sort of imaging or screening man you're screwed there's not really anything you can do there you want to have that back yeah. pocket of savings to make sure you get through your cycling life safely mm -hmm. yeah and it doesn't help that some of the ifb pros promote exactly this they said i had my, I did my first cycle on one ampule of primo or one ampule of test and i because i couldn't afford it anymore and i worked four jobs and it sounds like a success story right i just got turned pro anyway but for yeah. every guy that did turn pro and turned it into a success story you know thousands will fail yeah so if you if you go that route you better will make sure that you end up in a successful position like me or Tanner. <laughs> otherwise it was yeah, but otherwise you're just a failure, right? So right. better work for it. Yeah. So maybe if you if you throw yourself in a deep end like that, you better work for it and get yourself out of it because I, I there's so many failure stories that come for every success story. Yeah. It's uh yeah, it's it's more than people realize, you know. But you they go with a success story. They don't get any No, of, no, you don't hear story. about them. You know yeah. or you see them in the comment section complaining, but then there's no face attached to it. Right. <laughs> you know that's very unfortunate hey let's leave it there it's been almost two hours dude it was great man thanks uh, thanks for coming on yeah any yeah. Uh, any final words for for the young kids and the old farts like me well first i mean i gotta tell you like you've been so welcoming it, it's honestly insane i mean imagine the people watching 
if they were in a position mm-hmm. where it's like, I get to be on a podcast with Vigor Steve, that's basically the yeah. place that I'm coming from. So it, it's, it's really yeah. cool to talk to you, man. Um, You've earned it, dude. You've earned it. I mean, I see you're you're consistent with the knowledge. Your knowledge is good. You give credit where it's due because I see my own thumbnails in your videos. I'm like, yeah. first I was pissed. And then I was like, oh, wait a minute. You're actually doing a good job. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I saw it with an audio and I see my face come by. I'm like, what the hell's going on? I didn't expect that. Who's this kid? What the, what the fuck is this? Yeah. But then I, I listened to your content and I followed you for a while. And then I, you know, Justin Harris got you on his podcast and then you know, I saw you uh, last weekend on uh, Paul. So you're now you're vouched for, dude. Good job. Yeah. Good job. Three sponsors and vouched for 23. Double thumbs up. Double thumbs nice up. Nice work. Front double biceps. Yeah, front double front double biceps from bigger speed. <laughs> Welcome to the fitness industry, buddy. Now all you need to do is keep going. Yep, that's true. Just yep. a consistency Don't. thing. As far as a, a message going. for the younger guys, I mean, honestly, if you do have dreams like this, and whether that's like within fitness or anything else. Leverage social media. That's that's one of the, been one of the craziest, most life changing things I've ever done. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter what your day to day life is. You can find a slot for that. You can find that niche and actually double down on it. And it's just like me did and Steve you, did, said. You know, be be kind to yourself throughout the entire process. Because right. exactly. other people did are not going to be kind to you. Justin, <laughs> <laughs> tell me about it. And did you quit your day job already? You're not full time social media. Uh, I'm still in school, so I got to graduate first. You're still in school. Know. Yeah. Oh no. Yeah. Oh no, all the kids are gonna come to you that watch this podcast next week. <laughs> yeah, we'll see about that. <laughs> I saw you one finger of Steve's podcast. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll be a little celebrity oh, on campus. So that's fun. Yeah. Well, no. when are you gonna graduate? Uh just this winter. Yeah. So I took a gap okay. year, so now I'm out after that. Yeah. Okay. Good, good, good. And then you'll never have to work for an employer ever. Yeah, that's what's a freeing thing. Like now that I work for myself, I don't know if I would ever be able to do a nine to five kind of thing. It's really no, weird. you won't. Yeah, I will, I, I'm not able to go back. I made that decision over a decade ago, and I, I'm so happy that I went self-employed. And thank yeah. God for social media to make it happen, man. All you have to do is provide value, and, and as long as people love you and you give them what they want, and uh, then there's a job for you. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the next five to ten years of you on social media. I'm sure we'll do more collaborations as uh, time goes. Oh, that'll on. be a blast, man. Always good talking to you, man. For sure, buddy. Have a good day. And uh, where where can people find you? Yeah, so my Instagram is Tanner Tattered. That is my first name dot last name. And on TikTok, that is .tattered.tt. You can find all of the links to my socials and whatnot in the FAQ. I'm sure uh, we'll give that in the doobly-doo. Cool. Right. Where's your YouTube? You have a YouTube yet? Not yet, but that is in the works. To do. this podcast coming up. Right, exactly. Yeah. (laughs) You should. You should. And thanks for having, uh, thanks for coming on. And I'll talk to you soon. Yeah. Have a good day. Sounds good. Take care, buddy. Take care.